in the Dave Ellswick world. This is Carl Kimball, Dave's old buddy from Chanel Insurance, sitting in for Dave, who's still not returned from his high-level conferences somewhere at an undisclosed location. But uh, we're hoping to have Dave back soon. We miss you, Dave, and look forward to your return soon. Luckily for his audience, you won't have to listen to just me all afternoon because Dave did make some Good provisions for the show this afternoon. We're going to have an interview, hopefully just momentarily, with David Limbaugh, who's the uh, author of a new book that I think that Dave's readers will find really exceptional, Guilty by Reason of Insanity, Why the Democrats Must Not Win, by David Limbaugh. And we'll be talking to him about that just shortly. Uh, Paul Calvert will stop by later on and Join in our conversations as well. We have the Bumper to Bumper guys will be in at 4 o'clock to answer your car questions. So hopefully it'll be a lively and fun afternoon. Uh, it was pretty fun yesterday. I thought I enjoyed the panel and our uh, discussions with the Bible guys very much and appreciate Dave giving me the opportunity to visit with his wonderful audience on the air. We're going to be with you and taking your calls this afternoon, and I hope I won't mess up on the phone number this week. It's... 501-823-0965. Did I get it right? I got it right that time. And we would welcome your calls all this afternoon at 501-823-0965. So give us a call on the Dave Ellswick Show if you'd like to join in our conversations. And uh, we talked quite a bit about the news of the day yesterday. We had a pretty lively discussion with R.D. Hopper and Paul Calvert regarding the current impeachment proceedings that are going on and the Ukraine scandal. <clears throat> this is all kind of a symptomatic of what David Limbaugh writes about in his book, The Threat from Within, is the chapter I was reading just uh, as a show came on the air today. And, and we do have a threat from within because the United States, like all of the great republics that went before it, if it does fall, and we hope that the United States will go on as a free and democratic republic for many, many years to come, but if it's like those other republics which went before it, its downfall will be caused by self-inflicted wounds from within. And that's a lot of what David Limbaugh writes about in his book, Guilty by Reason of Insanity, how people are wounding this country from within by having people in high positions of authority who have continued to undermine the very principles that our nation was founded on, the documents that were put together that brought about our freedoms. First, the Declaration of Independence, which was, of course, issued on July the 4th of 1776 and declared our intention no longer just to fight for our rights as free Englishmen, living in the colonies, but to go ahead and establish our own separate country where we'd be able to chart our own course, lead our own lives, and heave to our own values, which included that God himself had granted us the right to life 
the right to liberty, and the right to the pursuit of happiness. These rights were not declared to be dependent upon race, upon ethnic origin, upon religion, or upon the place in which we were born. Certainly there were bad things that happened in America, like there were in all the world. All the world has been stained by slavery in its past, by tribalism and ethnic divisions. These are not easy things to overcome, but the United States of America has made great strides over the last 240 years in trying to overcome them and trying to make a more perfect union. And that was the purpose of our Constitution when the Articles of Confederation failed to work successfully in helping our 13 separate countries that used to be English colonies and getting along with one another and operating towards the common good. They came together, and the most brilliant generation, in my opinion, of Americans ever came together and wrote the Constitution that the famous 19th century English politician William Gladstone described as the most brilliant work ever struck off by the mind of man, the Constitution of the United States. September 18th, of 1787 is when the Constitution was signed and promulgated and sent forth to the states. And by 1789, enough of the 13 states had ratified the Constitution to put the new government into effect. <clears throat> we certainly needed some improvements to it. And using the mechanisms within the Constitution, we've made more than a couple of dozen improvements to it over the course of the years. That Constitution is the foundation of our rights, the foundation not that the government has granted us our rights, but the recognition that the government must respect the rights that God has given to all of us. And no other country has done as much to protect the God-given rights of its individual members, the right of free conscience, the right of free speech, the right of free choice of our own religion, or to have no religion at all if we so choose, the right to bear arms to protect ourselves, to be free from unnecessary searches and seizures without proper judicial proceedings. These are all things that we as Americans have in common, regardless of our background, regardless of whether we're descendants of people who came in on the Mayflower or whether we're the descendants of people who just moved here or just moved here ourselves, we all have the right under the Constitution for these things. Now, one of the men who has written extensively and beautifully, I think, about our rights and our government is David Limbaugh, and I think we have David on line one with us. David, are you there? Yes, I'm here. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you on 101.1 The Answer here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My old friend Dave Ellswick, I know, would love to be doing this interview himself because I know what a huge fan he is of your work. And uh, I have been uh, as well. I only have just started your latest book, Guilty by Reason of Insanity, but the first couple of chapters have just pinned my ears back. You, I think, have really nailed a lot of what is remarkably uh, different in our country than any time in our previous history. Do, do, do you see it that way, that we are at a real crisis point with, with our being torn apart from within for the first time in a, over 100 years? 
It's unbelievable. Uh, the left, the political <clears throat> left, has gone so far off the, the rails. Uh, they are for open borders for abortion on demand up to the point of birth and after. Uh, they are uh, in, engaged in identity politics. They have embraced socialism. It is, it is really disturbing what they're doing. And uh, we have an obligation to get in this fight uh, or we're not going to save this country for our kids and their kids. Would you say that this is the most important election in, the la- well, in our lifetimes? Have we had a more important election that we faced in our lifetimes? I don't see how we could have uh, because, as I said, the left is so extreme now, and the Democratic Party is a wholly owned subsidiary of the left, of the extreme left. And if they win the presidential race and both houses of Congress, then they will complete the fundamental transformation of this country uh, and turn it into something that the framers didn't envision and that you and I uh, will not even recognize. I've heard your brother say that it's not so much that the media is a subsidiary of the Democratic Party these days as that the Democratic Party is a subsidiary of the media. They seem to be all in with very few exceptions on the side of the the Democratic Party and the left. There's no question that the media is behind a lot of this, orchestrating a lot of it and certainly is in collusion with the Democrats. Who knows who's starting it? Uh, and but, but they're all in it together, as you say, and that's important for us to recognize. The, the, the media is so biased. For example, the other day uh, when Anderson Cooper was questioning Joe Biden, he embedded in his question a presupposition favoring Joe's son. Uh, Mr. Biden, how do you respond to the... Uh, Broad, uh, false allegation that your son was engaged in impropriety. You're talking well, about built the, into the question. You're, you're talking Pardon? about the first question in the last debate, are you not? Yes. And and Anderson Cooper starts the debate pretty much by saying, "Oh, those evil Republicans have lied about you and your son. How do you respond to them making these false accusations against you?" My, what a what an unbiased question from the reporter, huh? Unbelievable. Truly, it's unbelievable. I, I, I know that you know this, but I'm going to quote just a sentence out of your book for uh, the benefit of our listening audience. I, and this is one of the first things that struck me as I started uh, reading your book today. It says, rejecting the principle of equal opportunity for all, the left puts pits America against one another according to race, class, gender, and other categories in a grim struggle for power and government largesse. I thought that kind of nailed the entire left in one sentence right there. Yeah, they, they reject equality of opportunity. They want equal <clears throat> outcomes, and which denies human nature. They're, they're embracing socialism full on, which is contrary to human nature. It shrinks an economy. It leads to enslavement and poverty. It killed 100 million people in the uh, 20th century alone, and they want to go back to it. These leftists never tire of their fantastical ideas. And so they somehow think that socialism can work because the right people haven't ever tried to implement it. Now they're superior, and they'll figure out how to do it. <laughs> but uh, And they claim they have 
compassion that we don't have compassion. But at what point are is the political left going to be held accountable for the results of their policies as opposed to their supposedly good intentions? Well, this has really boggled my mind. I, I forget whether you're older or younger than Rush, but I'm within a few months of your brother's age. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I, I can't remember any time in my lifetime before now where, where one of the major political parties has been so antithetical to the very ideas that the country was founded on. They absolutely abhor America as founded. They believe we were born in hell with slavery and genocide of the Indians, and they paint a completely biased picture of of history, and they don't mention that we atoned for our slavery in the Civil War and the subsequent uh, constitutional amendments and the civil rights laws. Uh, No, they want reparations now. They want Because the problem is they don't have a heart for minorities. They have a quest, an insatiable quest for power, and they exploit minorities uh, accuse us of racism so they can alienate minorities from us uh, and, and acquire power uh, at their expense. And so uh, it, it is really uh, so out in the open now what the Democrats are doing on socialism, abortion, open borders, and identity politics and the rest, that you would think that there's still enough people in the country who think like we do that we would have a uh, – Landslide, landslide re-election of President <laughs> Trump. But the, but the problem is they have indoctrinated kids uh, who are now voting age that capitalism is evil, that conservatives are evil, that they're racists and bigots, that socialism is morally superior and practically superior to capitalism, uh, that we advocate uh, life because we want to hurt women, that we... Uh, want to focus on uh, racial colored blindness rather than uh, color consciousness, which the Democrats now promote. The Democrats are now pushing for segregation, in effect, and they're rejecting Martin Luther King's legacy of judging us by the content. Of our oh, they've of they've our done camp. that for quite a while, but uh, I can't yep. remember ever uh, an election. I mean, Mondale just said he was going to raise taxes and lost 48 states. It, it, it would boggle my mind if anything besides New York and California went with uh, the Democrats on the kind of platform they all seem to agree on. Uh, I, a couple other quotes from your, your opening of your book that I found interesting. You said they seek revenge against America's founding generation. And you state that the modern left, then, is in an all-out war against Western civilization and the values and liberties it produced. That made me in the mind of this uh, representative Ilhan Omar talking about about how they were going to put an end to American imperialism. Yeah, now how can you be that warped uh, to to make that kind of allegation and that kind of critique of America? How can you be Eric Holder... Obama's former attorney general and say America never was that great. And the same thing with uh, Governor Cuomo of New York. Uh, How can you be an American politician and make those kind of statements? How can you be an American politician and advocate open borders, flooding our borders with criminals, with people who will get on the welfare rolls, get free health care, will become a new dependency class and, of course, vote Democratic? That's why they support 
open borders is because this is all about power to them. That's why they alienate men from women, gays from straight, blacks from whites, Hispanics from whites, uh, rich from poor, because they their power depends on stirring us up against each other because they don't have a policy agenda. Their policies have all failed. They resort uh, and revert to racism and, and other identity politics in order to uh, acquire and preserve their power. Now, your brother and many other people are of the mind that these kind of absolutely radical, and I mean insane radical, like letting convicted felons have a vote and giving free health care to illegals, uh, that, that that may end up resulting in a massive backlash and a huge victory for the president in the next election. Do you have that kind of optimism, or are you concerned that we may be too far around the bend of indoctrination that, that we're in serious jeopardy of losing losing the House, losing the Senate, losing the presidency. You mentioned that earlier. How, how strongly do you think that's a possibility? Well, I don't, I don't think we will lose the Senate yet. Um, and I, I'm optimistic that we'll win back the House and that we'll win the presidency. But I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, it's too volatile. And anybody that claims they know for sure, I think, is uh, just talking. A lot of hot air. None of us knows for sure. I share Russia's optimism, but partly because I can't allow myself to be, to be negative. I can't bear the thought that my kids are going to end up uh, in a culture that is rabid with cultural Marxism, the culture of death, socialism, and uh, a country that we won't recognize. I just can't bear to think that. This is the freest country ever. Liberty is something we champion. It is something that the left opposes. They're authoritarian. They're intolerant. They su- suppress our liberties. They suppress our religious liberties. And uh, this is a real problem. And, and, and I, I, I am very concerned uh, that they have indoctrinated enough people to make a difference in the election. But I also think that they have awake, awoken a sleeping giant. And, I, and that's right, why Trump won the last time, and I think they've even shown themselves to be more venal and extreme since, not accepting the results of the election and trying to impeach him for four full years. That's what's going to happen. That's what will have happened at the end of his term. And so I think people can see how unreasonable and <clears throat> radical and extreme they are, and, I, and that, that gives me reason for hope. Um, I hadn't had a chance to get to Chapter 12 yet. Leftist authoritarianism goes private. Can you give me a short preview of what's in there? Well, you know, it's not just through the means of government that they suppress our liberties. And, and the Constitution comes in and hopefully will protect us against government encroachments. Although when, when you have an administrative state, which combines legislative, executive, and judicial functions in one administrative body, you've got a bunch of uh, entrenched bureaucrats who, who thwart the uh, will and the policy agenda of the duly elected president and legislature. So that's a problem there on the government side. You have judicial activist judges who also thwart uh, the, the agenda of the duly elected representatives. And there's other ways that the, led, the Congress will do end runs around the Constitution, such as these statutes uh, designed to circumvent the Electoral College and, and various other things. But in addition to that, we have private uh, censorship and suppression of one side of political speech. So we have college campus. Well, yeah, absolutely. But we also have Google. Yeah, but the colleges are technically affiliated. They're 
subsidiaries of the state because they're funded. I'm talking about Google, Facebook, and uh, uh. Twitter, Instagram, where these private corporations, Gillette, they sermonize us. They have sensitivity training. They promote the radical leftist social agenda and economic agenda and political agenda. They censor, they shadow ban conservatives, 21 out of 22 prominent political figures uh, that they have, that Twitter has suspended in the last, in, in, since 2004, uh, were Trump supporters. 21 out of 22. That's not a coincidence. That's not an accident. They deny it, but you've got Project Veritas videos that show Google employees uh, talking about changing the results of an election. You have a liberal Ph.D. Democrat who says that Google might have uh, affected 2.6 million votes in Hillary's favor. And if, if it combined with Facebook, for example, it could affect as many as 15 million votes in the 2020 election. Well, even if you think that's hyperbole, just use a fraction of that and see how horrifying that is. Do you think that Hillary's going to jump in? Uh, I, I, I have my doubts because uh, I don't think she's healthy enough. Just that alone. Did you see how she, how feeble she was? And they tried to hide that so much in the last. Oh yeah. Uh, in that in the last election, I, shoveling I her into the van. Yeah, and I, I don't know for sure if she's got that kind of sickness that progressed, uh, but I just assume so. But if not, maybe she'll get into it. But she's so, she's she's so unpopular uh, among people. Uh, she's such a whiner. She never accepted anything. But then again, the Democrats don't seem to have any problem with those kind of people. So you never know. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is, is not likable, and she's doing pretty well. So we're talking <laughs> about a plurality. We're, we're talking about a plurality here uh, that she's doing well. If she won the nomination, it's a different thing when she's facing when she's just facing one other candidate. But here's the dilemma for the, the Democrats. You've got Biden, who is the least radical on paper. Of all the candidates, thirty he's not, seconds. He's not he, he's not acceptable to their base, and he's also becoming. Uh, I think he's losing a little bit of mental competence, and I don't say that disparagingly. It's just he's slowed down. He doesn't seem clear headed to me. This is all really fascinating. We're just about to come up on a hard break. Will you be able to okay. to stay with us past the news and and uh, stay with us a few more minutes after two thirty five? Uh, for a little while, I got another interview coming up, but for a few minutes, I, I would be uh, happy to. Thank you so much. Well, we're talking to David Limbaugh. He's the author of Guilty by Reason of Insanity, a new book. We're going to come back and talk about it again after this bottom of the hour news break. Thank you. And you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show, but Dave's not here. Carl Kimball sitting in, and we're interviewing David Limbaugh, the author of a new book called Guilty by Reason of Insanity, Why the Democrats Must Not Win. And Dave, I've got to say, I'm really impressed with the breadth of this book, how many different aspects of uh, our current cultural scene you address. But in the few minutes minutes that we've got left, I'd especially like for you to comment on this last chapter about open borders and abolishing ICE. And you have a, a section in here called Black Americans are disproportionately impacted by illegal immigration. Would you expound on that a little, please? Yeah, the, the uh, we're seeing... Uh, the jobs taken away from, from minorities through this immigration, uh, open borders policy. Uh, the, the Democrats, you know, they're, they're for abolishing ICE, as we say, 
They are for uh, opposed to a border wall. They have sanctuary cities. And I don't understand. And, and they're, they're opposed to integration and assimilation. They don't want see, – see, our, our immigration system is set up to encourage people who come in to come in legally in an orderly way, in a way that we can control it and not be overrun with people at the same time and have people learn about our Constitution and civics lessons of America so that they will be incorporated into the American idea and they will become American patriots, people who love this country, who want to be a part of this country, as opposed to separated and balkanized in their uh, cultural enclaves. And so, of course, some of that's going to happen anyway. But what we want to do is encourage people of all races and ethnicities to become Americans. So this idea that we are racist because we want to guard our borders is preposterous and offensive. We don't oppose uh, uh, open borders because we're racist. We oppose it because we're sane, because we believe in America, because we believe in American sovereignty and because we believe in the American idea and the idea of limited government that's guaranteed to us by the Constitution. So uh, the, the, the left doesn't believe in nation states to the extent we do. They don't think America's, America's exceptional, great, or unique. And above all, they want to encourage people to come in and overflow our borders and give them sanctuary because they want them to be Democratic voters. And it, it, how else do you explain it? No other nation does this kind of thing. I mean, the few nations that have tried it, France and all, have had disastrous results. No self-respecting nation can possibly uh, not guard its own borders. It's a, it's a recipe for utter disaster. Uh, the Roman Empire fell largely as a result of that, an internal implosion. Exactly. We, we just have to learn from the lessons of history. Well, thank you. That was uh, eloquently and powerfully said. Uh, I may, being a historian myself, may expound upon your uh, Roman example a little bit later. But I, I want to thank you so much for this book. My wife and her family immigrated here, and they came in the way you said. They had to learn the Constitution. They had to learn American culture. And they came here to be Americans, not to be part of some other group. By the way. Uh, we do believe in a rainbow. We believe in everybody. I'm not meaning that the the, uh, the gay rights part. I'm saying we believe in all different kinds of ethnicities becoming Americans. We want to treat everybody the same. Everybody is every human being is created by God in His image and therefore entitled to equal dignity and respect. We hopefully we don't look at color. We try to be colorblind. The left is color consciousness. Color conscious rejects Martin Luther King's legacy of judges, judging us by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. It's shameful what they're doing, and we have to stand up to it. My, my uncle was a federal judge, and my cousin now is. They both say that the, the most gratifying experience that they've ever had as a judge is to preside over a naturalization ceremony where you induct new people uh, as citizens of the United States, and they're so grateful to become part of the greatest nation in the history of the world. That's what we want to inspire, not criminal uh, influx of our borders. Because the principles on which we were founded are universal principles, not based in tribalism or ethnicities, but in the human spirit and our rights from God. There you go. And according to the left, our rights come from government and not God. And therefore, the government in its beneficence will give us as many rights 
and freedoms as it deems advisable or practical, whereas we believe our rights come from God and therefore are unalienable. David, I think you make the case wonderfully here, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of the book. This is definitely something that I wish every American could read. You make a great case why the Democrats must not win for the sake of our culture and our nation. Thank you so much Thanks for being so much. with us. We're Thank delighted you so much to have for had me you. On. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. And we would invite your calls if you would like to join in our discussion. Our telephone number here, 501-823-0965. And uh, while David couldn't stay with us, we would be glad to continue discussing some of the principles that he brought up. My word, I thought he said that eloquently and powerfully, don't you? He... uh, is obviously someone who loves America and who loves the principles on which it was founded and wants to share those principles with all of our citizens, all of us. There is not liberty or free speech or right to bear arms for one part of America. It's for all of us, at least all of us who have not committed felonies and forfeited our rights. Huh? Well, I think that we'll go ahead and take a break a little early so we'll have more time for discussion. And he talked about the Roman Empire. He set me off. I'm, I may talk about that when we get back. You're listening to The Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Well, not quite right. Dave's not back yet, and that's much to all of our chagrin because we all think Dave's the greatest, and we can hardly wait to get him back, but he's still involved in high-level parlays with important people planning out how we're going to save America. So uh, keep up the good work, Dave, and hurry back when you can. We're sure looking forward to seeing you. But, you know, Dave sometimes thinks that uh, I go back too far in my historical analogies to, to Dave, you know, if it was you know, if it was before he joined the Air Force, it's too old to matter to Dave, pretty much. But, you know, I'm I'm not like that. And since Dave's not here and is not in control of the show today, I'm going to get away with it, at least temporarily. Uh, we have an analogy that was brought up by David Limbaugh in the previous segment when he talked about illegal immigration being the doom of the Roman Empire. And he was absolutely right spot on. I guarantee you, I have been reading and studying about the Roman Empire for over 50 years, and that is the correct analysis of why the Roman Empire fell. They lost control of their borders. Illegal immigration in vast waves came across their borders and settled not with the intention of becoming a part of the Roman Empire and becoming Roman citizens, but to hack off slices of it where they could have their own culture, their own language, their own standards, and and one after another part of the Roman Empire became overrun with barbarians who'd slipped across the board. Some of my ancestors, in fact, were, were some of those barbarians that slipped into the Roman Empire, but, you know, we all... We all have shady things in our past. But that was what happened. They lost control of their borders. Their army, because they had gotten kind of soft and complacent by that time, by the by the 4th uh, uh, and 5th, especially by the 5th century A.D., they'd gotten soft. Their armies were not as big as they were before. Their armies were not stocked with Romans. In the great days of the Roman Republic, when they were expanding and conquering practically the entire known world— Their government was based on a citizenry that had a stake 
in the Roman uh, First Republic and later Empire. Uh, they had hearth and home to fight for. They had a voice in their government back when they were a republic. They achieved greatness, but then once having achieved greatness, they got soft. One emperor gave citizenship to everybody that lived there. It ceased to be the precious thing that it was in the time of Paul the Apostle and became commonplace because he decided that if he made everybody a citizen, everybody would have to pay taxes. And the citizenship was no longer as greatly valued. And also the armies were no longer stocked with people who were fighting for hearth and home as citizens in the country, but they were more and more dependent upon mercenaries who were hired. And those mercenary armies were not as big, and they were not as loyal. And as barbarians moved across the borders of the Roman Empire, they lost province after province until their entire civilization came unraveled. The so-called Dark Ages in Western Europe were the result of the political structure of the Roman Empire just coming apart at the seams and wandering hordes of barbarians grabbed the areas that they could and lived under their tribal chieftains who then warred among one another. And and it was, in many ways, a very dark period in history for Europe. And it was because the Romans lost control of their borders. Now, there have been a few republics in history— Not many of them longer lasting than ours. The Republic of Venice actually lasted a thousand years. It was a city-state in northern Italy that had once been part of the Byzantine Empire. They survived. They didn't have a very democratic government. It was more of an oligarchy. But it was a republic where those, if you were in the elites that got to choose, you chose your leaders. And they lasted a thousand years before Napoleon wiped them out, and that was the end of the Republic of Venice. The second longest lasting republic in history was the Republic of Ragusa. Ragusa is modern day known as the town of Dubrovnik in the Croatian Republic. And Dubrovnik, under the name of Ragusa, it was an independent republic for 800 years. And they were also snuffed out by Napoleon. That rascal, he did, he did, he started a lot of republics, and he did a lot of republics in. And uh, the republics of Venice and Ragusa were two of them. The third longest-lasting republic in history was the Republic of Rome. And it lasted 480 years. Now, Rome started out as a kingdom. They rose up against their last king and ran him out and established the Republic in 509. And although the Roman entity went on in some form or another for, well, thousands of years in some form or another, but the Republic is generally considered to have come to an end with the beginning of the reign of the first emperor, the Emperor Augustus, who continued to maintain all the forms of the Republic, but in all reality, the governance had passed from the elected representatives of the people to one strong man who you did what he said or he would kill you. And that's the way the Roman Empire worked, was you did what the emperor said or he'd kill you. And if he couldn't, someone would kill him and then someone else would be emperor. So that was a long and sad story. But as a republic, they lasted 480 years. We've lasted 200 and, uh, well, let's see, uh, under our current form of government, 200 and... Uh, 11, 21, 20, 228 under our current form of government with the Constitution, if I did my quick math there correct. So we still have a 
more than a couple hundred years to go, even to catch up with the Romans. But the Roman Republic was done in from within. No outside force brought an end to the Roman Republic. The Roman Republic fell and was replaced by the ruthless autocracy of the Roman emperors because politicians within the Roman Republic used the offices of politics that they achieved in order to undermine the very liberties that the government was supposed to protect. There were politicians who were ambitious for their personal advancement, and they used the political system until they were able to go outside the political system. And, of course, the civil wars that took place on and off, there were about 100 years, that 480 years uh, of the Roman Republic, just about the last 100 years were taken up with on and off civil wars as various strongmen arose and either temporarily or eventually permanently put an end to the Republican control over the institutions of Rome, ending up, of course, with uh, Augustus Caesar, the nephew and heir of Julius Caesar, following in his footsteps and establishing himself as the dictator with the power of life and death. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to have a dictator with the power of life and death in the United States, but if we do get one, it's not going to be because we reelect Donald Trump. What we have to worry about is the type of tyranny that will come if we elect a socialist. If we bring a socialist in as the president of the United States, Katie, bar the door, how will we protect our liberties? Well, we've got a lot of socialists running right now. We could talk about a couple of them if you want. Uh, Let's see. Give us cut number one, please, Zach. We'll see what Tulsi Gabbard has to say about a certain former candidate. What she's saying is she feels they are grooming you. You're saying nobody's grooming me. I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm a soldier and a patriot. It's offensive to me as a soldier, as an American, as a member of Congress, as a veteran, and frankly, as a woman. To be so demeaned in such a way. But you called her the personification of rock. So demeaned in such a way. Well, I'm pointing to the fact that she has continued this legacy of being the world's police around the world that has waged wars costing the lives of thousands of my brothers and sisters in uniform. I'm speaking out against that. And What's to your change to that? To change. Well, can I? Are you serious? Are you serious? Let's hear it. I served in the war Not in you. Iraq. Are you saying that, that she's, exactly. she's a war I served in the war in that? Iraq yeah. that she championed. She championed a regime change Did war you not in Libya. Did you believe that war? I believe the lies that were told to us. Well, so did she. It is is indisputable. It is indisputable to say anything other than the fact that Hillary, let me just close this out, that Hillary Clinton throughout her career has led with a foreign policy of interventionism Mm -hmm. and being the world's police, going and toppling dictators in other countries that has caused such destruction and loss of life. I'm against that. I'm running for president to change that. Rather than actually debate me on the issues, she and others are resorting to these smear tactic campaigns, seeking to undermine me, smear my character, and sending a message to anyone who dissents, stand toe the line, or you too will be smeared. One thing you have not been afraid to do. That was Tulsi Gabbard, a rather liberal uh, congressman from Hawaii, but she is a veteran of the United States Armed Forces, current candidate for president of the United States, and uh, 
she may be way too far left for me, but she does strike me as probably the least insane Democrat uh, that's still remaining in the race at this point. And uh, Hillary attacked her last week, as most of you probably know, as being a Russian asset. You know, that, that this is the woman who hired the British spy to use his Russian contacts to come up with completely made up fake dirt on Donald Trump to try and first keep him from getting reelected. And then her partisans like James Comey and the other deep state guys, Brennan Clapper, they used that so-called dirty dossier as a way to try and end Trump's presidency after they failed to prevent him from being reelected. Uh, Hillary Clinton has a lot of room to talk about other people being Russian assets, I've got to say. Uh, David Limbaugh didn't think that she was running. Uh, Maybe she won't. Let's see. Uh, Let's go ahead and listen to cut number two. That'll set up the next thing we're going to talk about. Trump Jr. on Joe Biden. They don't even talk about it. The debates, they don't even talk about the economy because they can't fight on it. They talk about Donald Trump's Twitter. They don't talk about China as a threat. Joe Biden, in fact, says China's not a threat. Yeah, China's not a threat when your son's getting $1.5 from China. Okay, yeah, obviously they're not a threat. Yeah. I mean, this is the craziness that we're up against. You have you know, Elizabeth Warren. You know, whose entire life is based on a lie, who's one 1,024th Native American. Obviously, she should get full credit for that. You know, imagine having the judgment to say, we got the DNA test back. You get trolled into a DNA test. You get it back and say, hey, that's a win. One 1,024th, maybe. And that's the win. And she comes up with a $52 trillion plan. Okay, Maria, over 10 years. Okay, that's $5 trillion a year in change. That's about 90% of U.S. government revenue. To eliminate private insurance. These are not responsible ideas. This is insane, but the media, no, 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 this is wonderful. Well, the the, uh, quote by Joe Biden that he was referring to was, I think, from a couple weeks ago, actually. But I do recall that where uh, he says, man, you know, it's always look, man. Look, man, China's not a threat, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. China's not a threat. Well, you know, there's not a threat to Biden. And Trump Jr. is absolutely right. China's no threat to Biden. Biden's son got this enormous loan package from the Chinese for his so-called investment group. And there are Wall Street investors, people in New York that would love to get a chunk of Chinese change to invest, but they can't do it because China just doesn't generally do that unless, I guess, they need to bribe the right person in the right place. Well, not enough time to go on to another bite, but we may talk a little more in the next hour uh, about Joe Biden and his uh, Ukrainian connections because good old lunch bucket Joe, he's, he's down to his eyebrows in some pretty shady dealings. Family members getting vast sums of money uh, and there's not vast sums of money flowing into Trump that anybody has been able to point out as a result of him being president. Oh, they said, oh, gosh, he got some hotel rooms sold. He was comping the hotel rooms. He said, oh, well, he was getting publicity. Well, you know, what president hasn't gotten publicity? But the thing is, Donald Trump, he had money going out of his pocket because of running for president. Joe, he's had an awful lot coming into his family. We're going to talk about it a little bit more after the top of the hour news. You're listening to The Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. We'll be back.
pretty great it's even greater when dave's here but uh unfortunately for us but fortunately for the country dave is off in some top secret meeting somewhere and even i couldn't learn all the details about it i i, I think he may be consulting with the president and his advisors about how to save the country so uh, we're hoping that dave's uh consultation and advice will be successful in helping uh to save the country from socialism and i'm sure he'll be back here at the uh, a microphone of 101.1 FM just any time now. But uh, we'll hold the fort until Dave gets back. You got Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance, Dave's old buddy of the libertarian persuasion and stuck in the past talking history with you. And thanks for indulging me, my uh, little screed about the Roman Empire falling because of illegal immigration. And uh, we'll uh, go on to something else here in this hour. We got some. Interesting things to talk about, and lucky for me, I've got my buddy Paul Calvert here to talk with. Hi, Paul. Thanks for coming in today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me in. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you're one of my favorite guest hosts on the Dave or guest voices on the Dave Ellswick Show when you're here on the Tuesday panel, so it was awful good of you to come in and join us here today. Uh, We interviewed David Limbaugh in the first hour. This was some... This was some fun stuff. He's um, very eloquent and vehement in guilty his guilty by reason of insanity. Guilty by reason of insanity. Well, when when uh, one political party wants to have completely open borders, give free health care to everybody that comes across the open borders, uh, give the vote to convicted felons who are still in prison, some lower the voting age to fifteen, uh, and wow. and and institute do away with entire industry segments of the United States, private economy, just wipe them off the face of the earth and uh, replace them with a big government plan that, you know, how well big government plans always work. And then on top of everything else, institute uh, other policies that will wreck the economy and cost uh, somewhere around 100 times what we're likely to to bring in and say, well, well, we'll just do it by taxing those rich guys. Yeah, well, it won't go up on you. Don't worry. Because the rich guys are, are so dumb, they'll, they'll keep um, making money the same way they did before, as opposed to rearranging their finances, or, or just splitting, yeah, but yeah. Or, or or just dropping dead. The thing that we were talking about yesterday, you you could you could pull a deal like like Philip the Fair did in the Knights Templar and seize every billionaire in America in in the night and suddenly whisk them away to prison and torture them and and burn them at the stake and seize every penny that you they owned. And if every billionaire in America was confiscated of every last penny that he had we still couldn't afford to pay for the green new deal and medicare for all so yeah. uh, if if there is sanity left in america uh perhaps this will get swatted down what do you think i don't know i don't know what to think i mean we, we could could we imagine 20 years ago could we imagine what we have today 
Could we imagine that any major political party would come out with so anti-American a platform, a platform so guaranteed to be detrimental to nearly all the people in this country and, and be taken seriously? I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's just bizarre. I mean, we've got, we've got the, the left that, that they're literally taking people seriously when they claim to change their sex, their gender. I mean, yeah, that, that's you know, you take How? you take someone seriously because they need help when they're doing things like that. But but you don't take them seriously like that's a good thing for them to do. Well, like Abe Lincoln said, if you called a dog's tail a leg, how many legs would it have? It'd still have four. It'd still have four because saying that you're a girl don't make you a girl. And saying that you're a boy don't make you a boy. And saying that you're neither a boy nor a girl doesn't make you whatever you think that you are. And you're right. That's a a cry for help. Yep. Facts Uh, don't matter about your – don't care about your feelings. uh, Oh, well, you know, uh, things have just kind of gotten out of hand. I I asked David Limbaugh, I said, you know, your brother is – optimistic that this is going to be a big victory for Trump. Now, he may be he may be trying to keep up a brave face or he may really believe it, but at least he's talked like he's pretty confident and optimistic. I asked David whether he was optimistic and and he was kind of cautiously optimistic. He said I can't I'm trying to remember I don't remember his exact words, but it was something I think to the effect that yes, he he was optimistic, but very cautiously optimistic because this is not a done deal. We don't really know. A, a lot of people have been indoctrinated, and a lot of people don't want to think hard enough to overcome the indoctrination, apparently. Well, it's uncomfortable. You, you have to kind of go against the flow of the current, and that's not very much fun when you're having to suggest that all these so-called smart people maybe aren't as smart as what we've thought they were. Yeah. Yeah, we've heard from some of those not-so-smart people today already. Hmm. Uh, me being one of them, I'm <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit before the break about the Ukraine deal. Of course, that's that's the cause of the impeachment. How dare Trump look into the corruption of a Democrat? Hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, it's pretty dadgum unseemly if it sounds like he's asking a foreign government to look into one of his political opponents. On the face of it, that sounds pretty bad, and he certainly uh, didn't do himself any favors the way he the way he phrased some things. But still, when you come right down to it, the president of the United States is looking into corruption. It doesn't matter whether it's of his party or the other party. If, if there is obvious and blatant corruption going on that has an effect on United States foreign policy or domestic policy— As the chief executive officer, the president has the responsibility for seeing that the laws are faithfully executed. And if we've got a politician going around having money funneled into his family through back doors, where obviously, I mean, obviously, that's bribe money. What else could it be? They were not paying for Hunter Biden's expertise. There's something pretty fishy going on. How dare he look into it? That's an impeachable offense. Well, Senator Coons, he's from um, he's from Delaware, isn't he? Senator Coons talked about Joe Biden combating corruption in the Ukraine. I thought that sounded kind of funny. Let's let's listen to what Senator Coons had to say. 
As you know, after the impeachment inquiry will at some point move to the trial phase in the Senate. Yeah. And apparently there was this private lunch last week where Republican senators um, hatched a plan or at least a desire for during that time they'd like to call Hunter Biden and maybe Joe Biden. And this was uh, Senator Rand Paul and jo John Kennedy who were floating this idea. Does that worry you? Uh, what concerns me is that we have senators who continue to fuel uh, an utterly baseless theory uh, that somehow uh, what Vice then Vice President Joe Biden was doing in Ukraine uh, was anything other than carrying out uh, both United States policy in combating corruption in Ukraine uh, and EU and allied policy in Ukraine. Uh, they're continuing to feed this narrative uh, that somehow this was inappropriate, what Joe Biden was doing, when every legitimate uh, investigation into this has shown there was nothing to it. They're trying to distract uh, from what was clearly an inappropriate abuse of power by President Trump, uh, at least according to all of the uh, interviews, uh, the transcripts and the allegations that we've heard so far. Every legitimate investigation has shown that there was nothing wrong. Now, do you think that's right, Paul? Do you think every legitimate, uh, or, or does the definition of legitimate depend on whether or not it favors the Democrats? Maybe it depends on what the definition of it is. <clears throat> yeah, well, there's no. <laughs> there's a famous Democrat definition <laughs> war for you. <clears throat> well, uh, and it's a mess, though, because we've got so much... When government has so much power, then it makes an awful lot more sense for businesses and other money interests to manipulate politicians. And you have so much money in Washington, D.C., because if it's not flowing in there because of taxes, it's, it's flowing, flowing in. in there because of essentially bribes. Special interests. Say, favor my business. Like like Solyndra, they, they made a big, big that was a half a million dollar contribution to Obama's mm. uh, election. They got like five million dollars in government guaranteed loans that they defaulted mm. on. So you know it was sweet for everybody, but the taxpayer. Obama got campaign money to blow on getting himself elected. Solyndra's executives got bucks to stick in their pockets as they fled out the door, leaving the taxpayer holding the bag for mm -hmm. the outstanding loans, and those solar panels got built. Nice. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, being as it was under a Democrat administration, there was no investigation. There was no big flap about it. Nobody lost their job. Nobody even, nobody even had a, a reduction in pay or a suspension from their job. There was no punishment for anybody over a fiasco uh -huh. That cost the United States taxpayer hundreds of millions of dollars, and and there was nothing, nothing. Now, what did the president do that cost the taxpayers? He he tried. He's trying to find out what was going on with all the bribery in in the Ukraine and the corruption that was going on there. Hundreds of thousands of dollars being funneled to so Joe's worthless son, and so he simply just. Asks the Ukraine government to look into something. So he didn't even, doesn't look like he's even using the U.S. government. He was just simply asking them, look, this looks a little fishy. Check it out. And and Ukraine got the weapons that they wanted. So, you know, where's, where's the quid pro quo if Ukraine got what they wanted? And 
On the other hand, Joe's son, he certainly got what he wanted. Mm. Everybody's getting what they want except the taxpayers, it seems like, sometimes. But there's no there there is just no proportionality. If if a well, it, if a Democrat's involved with hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money getting ripped off, well, no punishment, no crime, no problem, no investigation. But if a Republican tries to look into Democrat corruption, it must be time to impeach. Mm. You can't can't look into, into Democrat common behavior. Apparently not. Well, we need to take one break before we get to the bottom of the hour. So uh, we're going to pay some bills because the radio station, sadly, and this is a great radio station, but they're not rich. And they could afford to send Dave to Superman's Fortress of Solitude to meet with Kellyanne Conway and the other Trumpites to do this big conference. But we can't get Dave back unless we raise a little extra money. So we're going to take a quick commercial break for our profit center and be back in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll hope that Dave gets back in the not-too-distant future. you got Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance, Dave's old pal sitting in for him, and with Paul Calvert. And, Paul, I got I got wound up in that last segment. Again, I didn't give you much chance. You want to add something to what we were discussing? No, I think I think you did okay. I'm, I didn't have too much to add at this point. All right. Well, we were talking about all these, uh, these folks that are discussed in David Limbaugh's book, the, um, guilty, guilty, guilty by reason, by reason of, insanity. of insanity. Why the Democrats have to lose? Wait, and and as, yeah, as opposed to the the common statement of innocent by reason of insanity. Yeah, I thought it was a good yeah, play. Yeah, on it's words. a good play on words. I, well, I, I like the title. Uh, you know, Joe Biden's not the only guy in the race, and in fact, uh, I've got to tell you, I, I Joe is so old, so feeble minded, uh, such a gaff machine. Uh, such a grabby, dirty old man, and and a guy that's been wrong on every single issue in American politics for fifty years. It's hard for me to imagine him getting uh, the nomination. Now, of course, the reason he's been the front runner has only been because they consider him to have the best chance of beating Trump. And oh, they hate Trump with such a purple passion that beating Trump's the number one thing. So as long as he's the number one guy, now, if Bernie dropped out or if Elizabeth Warren dropped out and and their folks united behind one of the two of them, then Joe wouldn't be the front runner anymore, as has happened in a couple of polls recently, and especially in New Hampshire and Iowa. It doesn't look like he's going to do much better than fourth in New Hampshire mm. and Iowa. Wow. And, and if he begins to be perceived as not the guy that's going to beat Trump. Boy, he'll drop like a stone. And uh, I think that the I think that the people wanted to kill Trump so bad. And you know, the Russia collusion was a bust. The idea, in spite of Adam Schiff's completely lying statements for two years, that he had the evidence in hand that that Trump was a Russian agent. Well, he didn't have the evidence in hand. It didn't exist or he would have come up with it. So now they're trying this Ukraine thing. And unfortunately for the Dems, or at least unfortunately for Uncle Joe, they fired a missile through the Ukraine at Donald Trump, and I think it's going to end up hitting Biden because the more we learn about this whole Ukraine deal, the more it's going to be obvious that Biden's the guy that was, at least his family, was being enriched by this whole Ukraine so they, deal, and even more so by the China deal, and so yeah, and maybe and maybe that was part of their goal. Maybe they didn't like maybe they didn't like Biden, and they were trying to expose. Well, and that may that and, may and be kick him off the. Off so the you know we've got we've got the number one pursuer of uh, lunch bucket Joe is 
uh, Elizabeth Warren, a.k.a. Focahontas, a.k.a. Liawatha. <laughs> and uh, we're going to hear uh, uh, Senator Barrasso had something to say about Elizabeth Warren's fantasy land. Uh, cut four, please. This issue is still in the House. They've only just last week voted to take it up. And um, I thought it was noteworthy that not a single Republican voted to open this inquiry in the House. But for myself, I'm not going to start commenting on all of these episodes that occur on a daily basis that are unfolding over in the House, but to say that it seems to me they still are not providing the same kind of basic due process rights that were provided both Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. They can't even get the process right. So um, beyond that, we'll wait until we get it here. It looks to me like they're hell-bent to do it, and that we will end up in an impeachment trial at some point. Well, we had a little confusion, I think, in our indexing there because that didn't sound like Senator Barrasso. I think that was Mitch McConnell talking about the impeachment vote and the impeachment process that they're having over there. But uh, Senator Barrasso's comment was about the takeover of health care because, of course, Senator Warren's idea is that you should not just have the ability to get free health care from the government but that the free health care from the government should be the only health care that any American should Mm -hmm. have available to them. And uh, this is a dangerous idea. First place, if you work in the health care industry, my son is a technical writer for a software company that provides software to administrators of health insurance plans. I guess his whole industry will be wiped out if you're an actuary, if you're uh, insurance salesman like I am. Of course, I've, I got out of health insurance when Obamacare came along because it was just it was just too much time and trouble to take it with all the other things I had mm-hmm. to do. I didn't have time to do that, too, so I just quit health insurance. But, but there are, are hundreds of thousands of Americans uh, who work in the health insurance industry. Now, sure, some of them may get to be government bureaucrats <laughs> now, and I'm sure that uh, there will be advantages and disadvantages to that. I mean, well, and one of the things is if you outlaw private um, health care, <clears throat> then um, it does it, it, it takes away the comparison opportunity between the socialist health care and the private sector health care. And so it's it's harder for people to realize that, you know, the people who are paying for their own get good service. But when the government gives it to us. We die in the hallways. Yeah, well, it's been said that once the government controls all health care, then seeing your doctor will have the efficiency of the post office and the compassion of the IRS. <laughs> so that's something that we've got to look forward to once. Uh, and, and that's the thing. This is so radical, even in England. And, and you know, England's had socialized medicine since the 1940s, uh, the government that succeeded Winston Churchill. Uh, had instituted the first national health care. But they still can go and pay for a private doctor. If the government health system won't take care of you, can go to a private doctor and pay right. them. That'll be against the law under Elizabeth Warren's plan. That's kind of crazy. It is. A so, talk, talk about lack. It's not yeah, just lack of choice. Well, it's and, lack and, of freedom. So, so the reality is you, you pretty much have to – how much time do we have left We've there? got uh, 30 seconds. Okay, so, so you pretty much have to have some form of rationing to in, in a in a socialist healthcare system, and so if they determine, well, you're just too old to, to 
to to have a, a hip replacement. Therefore, you're just going to have to live with it, and you can't go out if there's no no other options except for maybe leaving the country. Some government bureaucrat will decide whether you live or whether you die. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 The Answer. We'll be back after the bottom of the hour news. You're back with Carl Kimball and Paul Calvert sitting in for the absent Dave off on important business. And uh, we'd welcome you calling in if you'd like to join the conversation. Remind us the phone number, please. 501-823-0965. Again, 501-823-0965. Now, I got it right at least twice earlier, but <laughs> I didn't want to push my luck. So thanks for doing yes, that sir. for me, Paul. Okay. And uh, let's see. So we've been talking about some of these uh, candidates and what they're doing, some of the brilliant plans that they have for us. And, uh, of course, you know, they're all they're all anxious to glom on to this, to this impeachment stuff because – even though he's never going to get, even though he's never going to get convicted, most likely in the Senate, as as you heard, uh, unless they come the, out with, pictures, with with evidence of him yeah. raping somebody. Well, if they, in come, the last if they few find evidence or... of something that's completely unknown at this point, you know, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, the things that they've that they've actually caught him out at right now are just so venal and trivial compared to the things that have been done to him by the Democrats trying to overturn the 2016 election. Uh, and now with this latest thing, of course, it's based on on the whistleblower, a whistleblower, whistleblower. this whistleblower who didn't even hear the conversation he blew the whistle on. So whistleblower, I, I, I'm sure he's a fine man and thinks he's doing the right thing. So it sounds like a, a, the, the town gossip. But the whistleblower who, who didn't even see, wasn't even a witness. The whistleblower mm-hmm. also worked on Joe Biden's campaign. I understand mm-hmm. that he was involved with the Bidens. So it's not exactly a uh, uh, a neutral source coming forth with right, but, with uh, and, uh, unimpeachable and, and, evidence. And, and a whistleblower doesn't have to necessarily be neutral, but. You know, you'd think that a whistleblower probably needs to be an actual witness. You'd think. Well, let, let's hear what Senator Graham said about this uh, whistleblower statute here. Uh, cut number five, please. The whistleblower statute was never meant to give you anonymity. It was meant to allow you to come forward without being fired. You can't use anonymity in a criminal process. You can't use anonymity in a civil process, and you shouldn't be able to. This is a misuse of the statute so the statute was made so that someone who saw wrongdoing going on in a government department would be able to go and rat his boss out for being involved in criminal or immoral activities without him getting fired for bringing his boss's perfidies to light that's not exactly what happened here doesn't sound like it sounds like he's if i understand it correctly it was just a some guy who heard a rumor about something, and that's not a whistleblower, I don't think. Well, you know, Rand Paul uh, was no big fan of Donald Trump's uh, in the beginning. Probably not. No. Hey, you know, in the big, of course, neither was was Graham. Graham and Rand Paul both ran against Trump in 2016, and he cleaned both their clocks. And, and while both of them are kind of independent-minded in some ways, both of them have come around to the point of view of, of defending the president uh, against some of the uh, ridiculous things, methods that have been used to try to bring him down. Um, Brett Baer is interviewing Rand Paul, uh, and uh, just uh, that was just uh, yesterday, I believe. 
Uh, I was out and missed it, so I want to hear what Brett Beer and Rand Paul had to say. Cut seven, please. What about this concern that protecting whistleblowers overall, if you name this person, suddenly jeopardizes other things? Let's go back to 2014. Campaign for Liberty, founded by your dad, um, you say this. We've got so many millions of government contractors that when they see something wrong, they should be able to report it without repercussions. Your dad, Ron Paul, says, I think we should praise our whistleblowers. Ron Paul said to applause, adding people like Edward Snowden should be rewarded. Absolutely. If those statements are true, why are you doing what you're doing? Uh, I agree completely with it, but we were defending Edward Snowden, who I still defend, and I think he should have gotten whistleblower status. Most of the people defending the current whistleblower wanted to lock up Edward Snowden and and hang him or execute him. So yes, the whistleblower statute should protect people. Only the whistleblowers that you like? No, they should protect him. I want Edward Snowden protected so he's not executed. I want him protected. What about this guy? I don't want him executed either. I don't think he should be fired, but I agree with what Lindsey Graham said in your lead-in, and that is that it's a protection from being fired. It's not a protection to be anonymous, particularly if it's going to be a criminal case. Once you have a crime, there is a constitutional protection that you have to confront your accuser. There are no exceptions to that. No court in the land will let there be a trial of President Trump without him confronting his accusers. So I still am for an expansive whistleblower protection. You shouldn't be fired, and this person shouldn't be persecuted or put in jail, but he should come forward like Edward. Edward Snowden did reveal himself and say what he think government did wrong. I just want to be clear: you agree with Lindsey Graham on something? <laughs> yes. Okay. It doesn't happen, you know, every day of the week. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, there are the so, odd bedfellows. And that's an interesting. Both Republicans, both conservative in a way, but in in many ways quite different. Rand Paul is quite much more libertarian. And so that, that's an interesting point, though, that he brings up: that does a whistleblower have the right to remain anonymous? I mean. You know, if he truly is a real whistleblower, in the fact, in in the sense that he's a uh, an actual witness, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it, it, they do have a right to be anonymous. Uh, certainly, if they're going to be a witness um, against somebody, uh, in, in some cases, a a, um, a a someone can give a tip, and the government might use that tip in legal ways to go and and further investigate without actually. Um, investigate in an intrusive manner. And so what I mean by that is that so if, if government gets an anonymous tip that, um, say, George out here on the street is um, selling pot on the corner of Fifth and and um, and um, uh, and Washington. And so the uh, the anonymous tipper tipster doesn't actually have to be a witness against this guy because the police or whoever whoever can go and, and stand at Fifth in Washington and, and watch and see if this guy is actually um, selling pot. No, if the guy was blowing the whistle in that case was a witness, it wouldn't go to trial without him having to reveal himself. Well, right, I, right. This, is, this is something else. And, you know, I missed this last night because I was down here with the Bible guys. So uh, I'd, I normally had seen that uh, on uh, Brett Bear. Uh, cut eight has also got Rand Paul, and we'll get to that in just a second here. Uh, he, he's making the point that, like in all English common law, he has a right to face his accuser. And that's something that we don't take away lightly. We don't take away the right to a jury trial. We don't take away the right 
not to have to incriminate yourself. These are all things that are ingrained in, in English common law. But, but the, the notion that... Can you hear me in there? So, so the, the idea that you don't have to incriminate yourself... Is, is, is afforded of, by the law. Not only does it jeopardize their safety, but it jeopardizes an entire system that took decades to build. It will destroy effective congressional oversight for years to come. Your response to that? You know, I don't wish harm on anyone. I've been the victim of political violence not once, but twice. I was there at the ball field when Steve Scalise was almost killed. A staff member was 10 feet from me who was shot. I had six of my ribs broken by a hater of uh, President Trump. So I know what political violence is all about. I don't want that at all. But the report was un, 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 not correct in the sense that the statute says the inspector general can't reveal the name. It says the president should enforce the law, but the person you quoted uh, was uh, disingenuous in what they were saying. The statute says the inspector general can't reveal the name. There's nothing that prevents me from saying it now other than that I want it to be more about the process and less about the person. But there's no law that prevents me from mentioning the name of who's been said to be the whistleblower. But there's also... You know? Yeah. And there's something important also. It's called the Constitution. The Sixth Amendment to the Constitution says, if you are going to accuse me of a crime, I get to stare you down in court. That is absolutely part of the Constitution. The statute might say one thing, but I promise you, if there is a trial, you always get to confront your accuser. It's in the Sixth Amendment. It's in the Bill of Rights. There's no way they can stop well, the defense from asking. Well, I don't that. understand what prevents you from getting on the Senate floor where you're protected on all kinds of things and just giving a speech and saying what the guy's name is if you're convinced you know who it yeah, is. No, I can, and I may, but I can do it right now if I want. Nothing stops me. There's no law that stops me from doing it. Other than that, I don't want to make it about the one individual. But I would say this. I do think that this individual is a material witness to the potential Biden corruption. He was there under Joe Biden. He was there when Joe Biden was trying to fire the prosecutor that was, in, that was uh, investigating Hunter Biden. So this person was a Ukrainian expert on the desk at that time. I think he should be interviewed not as the whistleblower, but as a material witness to the Biden corruption in Ukraine. Well, there you go. Wow. That's What do you think about that, Paul? <laughs> That's interesting. And, and, and so the idea of his was kind of <clears throat> brought to mind the Sixth Amendment right to confront um, witnesses against you. Well, I, I don't know that he's right. I don't know that he's right that we can actually be certain that we do, that we will actually be afforded that simply because it's in the Sixth Amendment to the or to the U.S. Constitution. You think that the government will violate the Constitution? I, I, I think it's possible. Again? I, I think it's possible. It's like they do because, every dang day of the world? Because as I understand it, the, the the Sixth Amendment has already been pretty much tossed out to a large degree by the courts because the Sixth Amendment guarantees a, a, the right to a trial by jury. And the courts have, uh, in all criminal cases, except for like military tribunals or something like that. And so the, the courts have, um, the federal courts, from what I understand, have have um, decided that, well, that only applies to significant trials or significant, significant crimes and, and cases. Yeah, if you're the one that's accused, you probably well, think well, it's significant. And so, so apparently their, their definition of, of significant or that it does not apply to petty cases their definition of petty is anything less than six months in jail and less than a thousand dollar fine. I think, and so good grief. So basically, the government can lock you in jail for for up to six months, and you're not entitled to a jury trial, uh, even well, though the Sixth Amendment clearly kind of, says all criminal prosecutions. 
That, that's pretty disturbing. Okay, one last bite, and we'll be cases. done with the bites for today. Let's let's hear number ten because it ties in with what we've been talking about. You know, primaries are very competitive. We had a spirited primary. We went back and forth. And at the time, you know, my biggest argument against uh, Donald Trump was I was worried that he wasn't sufficiently conservative. He did have a long history in the conservative movement. But, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised. I think he's exceeded all of my expectations. We've gotten over 150 conservative judges on the court. We've repealed regulations, and we passed a significant, a large tax cut that is spurring the economy. Everybody in Washington wanted a revenue-neutral tax plan where we really wouldn't cut taxes. Trump, with my support, we insisted on a large tax cut. So I think we've come to work together, and over time we've proved that we have more in common than not. Can we just talk about the whistleblower? seems to me to be incredible that we should be even thinking about removing this president from office on the basis of an anonymous whistleblower and a phone call to Ukraine. What's your opinion? Well, the Sixth Amendment is pretty clear. It's part of the Constitution, part of the Bill of Rights, and it says that you get to confront your accusers. And so I think it's very clear that the only constitutional mandate here is is that if someone's going to accuse you of something that might remove the president from office, for goodness sake, shouldn't they come forward and present their accusations in person? But here's the second thing. Now that we know who the whistleblower is, we know that the whistleblower was involved with Joe Biden at the time that Hunter Biden was receiving all this money from a Ukraine. Ukrainian oligarch. So really, the whistleblower is a material witness as to the corruption with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. So that whistleblower needs to come forward simply as a material witness, really having nothing to do with the fact that they are or are not the whistleblower. So I think that this person needs to be subpoenaed, and I suspect that it is going to happen. It's going to be in the public, and that there will be a subpoena, uh, at least an attempt to get a subpoena. And the question is, are the Democrats going to allow a process where we can discover the president wanting this information on Hunter Biden, whether or not there really was corruption involved. Okay, old Rand Paul's getting around a lot, isn't he? There you heard him with the great Stuart Varney, uh, an immigrant who is a naturalized American citizen himself. All right, we're coming to you as soon as we get done with the break, but i got to pay some bills so that we can raise the money to get Dave back here, hopefully in the next couple of days. And we'll see you right after this short break. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave's not here, but Carl Kimball and Paul Calvert are. And we just listened to a few cuts recently. Uh, Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, was saying that the whistleblower needs to be subpoenaed. The whistleblower should be confronted by the president if he's going to accuse him of criminal behavior. And you were just about to give me your thoughts on that when we went to break, Paul. Yeah, and so that's it's he's just kind of running home again the the idea that you have a right to face your accuser, but then he also points out that you know this guy this guy may actually have been involved, or maybe he knows some um, information about some of the potential corruption that may have been going on with Joe Biden's son. And so there, so that's kind of interesting. You know, Rand Paul wants to hear from the guy, but not so not so much because of the the Ukraine deal with Trump, but maybe more about the Ukraine deal with Biden's son. And so that's kind of a, a an interesting twist. And and so maybe you know maybe if Trump if they go ahead and impeach Trump and they and they pull this guy to the to the to the uh, into the Senate to have him testify, maybe they'll actually. Um, hang Biden with it instead of yeah. instead uh, of like actually, I said earlier, they're going to fire an arrow at Trump and end up hitting Biden I, with I it, think it's and and they've avoided that possibility so far because they had all the hearings have been in secret. The Republicans have not been able to call witnesses. 
the Republicans have not been able to make known what the witnesses have said. The things that we do have that the witnesses have said have been selectively leaked by the liar Adam Schiff and the Democrats on the committee. So if there's anything that can be taken out of context that will be damning to the president, then they'll take it out of context and they'll leak it out and say, oh, aha, 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 we've got him. And yet, if there's anything that's exculpatory about the president and any of these things, then uh, we're not getting any leaks at all And that. How surprising. Mm. Not surprising. No, I guess it's not that surprising <laughs> after all, because uh, they have shown themselves to not have an awful lot of scruple when it comes to fair play. Well, but, uh, but, or honesty but, but if you in the way they've handled the Trump. A, if you don't have a functioning moral compass, then... Then should should we should we be surprised when the when the people are um, are willing to to, to obfuscate at the least or or straight up lie about things? I mean, you know, if, if someone is is just devoid of morals, I mean, if someone's willing to kill an unborn child and for crying out loud, a child after they're born, yeah, I mean, fourth should, trimester abortions should, should, now, should we be surprised? If they're willing to lie about other things, I mean, it's on such a slippery slope. Corrupt in other matters. I mean, if if they're that devoid of morals, I realize it's somewhat disconnected there. But you know, if you're willing to kill someone, that's what that's what's happening when you're when you're having an abortion. You're killing someone. If you're willing to kill someone, you know, should we be surprised that they also will lie, cheat, and defraud? Yeah, yeah. I mean. is it is it so far fetched to think that the same people that are willing to kill unborn children are also willing to commit other crimes? And that's why David Limbaugh wrote this book we interviewed him about earlier, Guilty by Reason of Insanity. This looks good. I've I've only been able to skim the first couple of chapters of it, but good grief, he goes into uh, practically every aspect of modern American culture and how it's being perverted by the left and turned against honesty, against American principles of freedom and individual liberty. They're essentially undermining our civilization. Ilhan Omar, the immigrant who got legal status for her brother by marrying him and then later married someone else and is uh, involved in all kinds of immigration fraud, and yet she's one of our glorious members of the squad in the mm-hmm. House of Representatives, uh, endorser of Bernie Sanders, socialist par excellence. And, and she was saying the other day that that uh, it was going to be the end of American imperialism. They were going to do something about American imperialism. That's, so I guess I have a hard time understanding why a Muslim would actually kind of embrace some of this stuff on the left. I mean, isn't that kind of bizarre? I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that's we, just... you've got you've got a extremely conservative religion that throws uh, gay people off the roofs of buildings <laughs> and that it's... that suppresses the rights of females. Women not only can't vote, they can't even show their face in in so most it's, Muslim it's, countries. It's just kind of odd. And, and yet you have the the party of women's liberation and gay rights and minority rights. Uh, being embraced by, but you know, Mohammed told them that they could lie to the infidel in order to gain their trust mm-hmm. if it advanced the cause of the kingdom so of you Allah. Think, so you think she might just be a spy? 
Well, I don't think the Democrat Party. Or? I, I, I don't I don't think that our Muslim uh, members of Congress have really truly embraced gay rights and and freedom for uh, all types of uh, things. It's 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 a, a temporary embrace to help advance the Their Muslim cause. cause in America. That's mm-hmm. that's what they're that's what they're trained and taught to do. Maybe you're right. It's just it just seems kind of bizarre that that a, a Muslim and she's not just doesn't look like she's just a totally secular Muslim. Like uh, she seems like she, I mean she's she's dressing with some of the the more mm-hmm. traditional Muslim garb, and um, I just don't understand. I mean, and I don't not well, that I'm defending Mu- uh, I, I Islam at all, but I, but, I don't but, think you can justify it on the basis that. It's Islam that's embracing it, but it's the the subterfuge mm-hmm. that Islam's willing to go through in order to gain Maybe. the advancement of their cause. Maybe you're and right. so in that respect, somebody like Alexandria Occasional Cortex <laughs> is being fooled by her Muslim uh, cohorts there. Uh, and she's they're going along with her to advance their cause. I don't think that... Her, that Alexandria's cause is going to end up being advanced by them in the long run. Well, thanks for being with me this hour, Paul. It's been delightful to share the microphone with you. It was sure great of Dave to give me the chance Mm -hmm. to come in here while he was doing important stuff. And we're going to be back after the top of the hour news. You've been listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 The Answer. And we'll be back with car guys and car questions right after the 4 o'clock news. Thanks for being with us. back to the Dave Ellswick show and I know it's not as good when Dave's not here but we're doing the best that we can God bless him Dave's trying to save the country he was called away to consult with Kellyanne Conway and some other high level uh, advisors to the president strategizing how to uh, save the country from socialism and he's up there in Superman's Fortress of Solitude at the North Pole right now in the high level strategy session we're we're hoping he's able to wrap it up and get back here in the next couple of days but in the meantime you got Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance Dave's old pal from his libertarian days holding down the fort there's Buddy Paul Calvert advising and consenting, and you know what time it is. Four o'clock on a Wednesday, it's time for the car guys. And while we're sad to be missing Joe, Duck's here. Everybody knows Duck. Duck's the man. Joe, Joe's in, uh, well, he ought to be on his way home from Las Vegas. Well, I hope he's coming back with money. Well, he won a... At least I hope he's coming back with his shirt. Do you know what it was? What? Yeah, Duck, he won uh, a... <clears throat> What the official title is, I don't know, but it's uh, from Babcock's Magazine, which is a pretty predominant magazine within the automotive average market. He won a uh, significant national shop award with that magazine, and it's, it's really special. It's a special award to get. And well, that's he, he, really, he really deserves it. Joe's yes, my yes. mechanic. I've been using him for 
for many years, and uh, man, I tell you, there's nobody like him, and he runs a wonderful shop, has great guys working for him. And and we're going to hear some more from you guys here just in a moment. We want to invite our listeners to call in. Anybody has a question about their car, their truck, especially their diesel with Tuck here. He, Tuck can tell you all about your diesel. But if you have any kind of car questions, give us a call at 823-0965. That's 501-823-0965. You can call into the Dave Ellswick Show, and guys that, unlike me, know everything about cars are going to be able to give you a pretty good idea what you want to know. Now, before we go on any further, we have, let, let me intru- let me have you introduce the panel today. Okay. With us, we have Jerry Roach. And I know people have heard us talk about, Jerry, give us a call. we got a question to ask you. He always calls and helps us out. And Jerry, can you introduce the next guy to us? Yes, sir. We got Rick Spugnardi, and Rick is the uh, Vice President, Chief Information Officer of Digital Technology. Did I get that right? That's correct. <laughs> Close enough. I had, Close to, had to study on that one, but I got it. That's what he does. Rick has been with the company several years. Um, how many years have you been with us now? 11 Three? years now. 11 years. Okay. Man, but, I don't think I've had a car without digital technology since my 69 <laughs> TR6. Uh, you think that's bad? You wait till you get to a 2019 Dodge. <laughs> Tell me what's different about it. You know, I used to be a Dodge driver up until they were sold to Fiat. And all those fix-it-again Tony moments that, that came up in my racing career uh, kind of discouraged me. You know, But I, I, I used to love Dodges. What's with the new ones? What has happened is somebody has figured out to get into the computer of a car going down the road and shut it off. So they can hack your Dodge truck while you're driving down the road? Not only Dodge. They can hack Chevrolet. They can do GM, too. Any of them. But they have figured out how to hack Mm -hmm. them and kill them going down the road. And so what Dodge has done, Dodge has went back into them and put a lock on all the computers where even I can't do them. Oh, dear. I can't even. So if something goes wrong with my Dodge, I can't even get you to tell me what's wrong with it? Not yet, you can't, but. Is that because they want you to go to the Dodge dealer? No, that's something the federal government put in there because this car happened to shut down in a place it didn't need to shut down. I can see how that would be extremely dangerous. That's why Chevrolet hadn't did it yet, Ford hadn't did it yet, but it's coming. The late 19s, the, the ones that's bought within the last month or two. So what are you you going to have to do, Duck? You're going to have to call Dodge and get them to give you the key to get into it in order to diagnose the guy's problem. I found a guy in New York. I've been been working on it for about three weeks now, and I found a guy in New York that can do it for me. I had to hook my computer to it. You're doing the hacking. No, no, I hook my computer to it, and he can unlock it for me. Hmm. So, but then when I get through, I have to lock it back. It is through a Dodge dealership. Wow. But uh, that's coming, and it's coming on all of them because my understanding is this ain't the first one that somebody has shut down. A couple of them they've shut down and cleared the computer completely out of them. They had to get them towed. So I'm driving down the road in my nice, shiny new Dodge Ram, and, and all of a sudden somebody, somebody by the side of the road, I guess you got to be within Wi-Fi range, don't you? I don't. I with this technology we got nowadays, <laughs> Rick, can you shed any light on that one? <laughs> no, not really. Well, this technology really. we got nowadays, like my truck has Wi-Fi in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it has Wi-Fi come, you know, come with the truck. So, I'm sure you could hack into it some way or another. Somebody smarter than I am. Now I can't. So don't get me wrong, I couldn't. But you know, you got these people standing there doing this all day long. They can, and it has happened. That's amazing. 
and it has happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's coming, you know, so people just will get ready because it's it's here to stay and it's going to be here the rest of our life. Yeah, I know my Genesis G80 is just lousy with computers and radars and cameras and all kinds of stuff I never had on a car before. And I wonder if it could get hacked. I guess I guess you could hack just about any car with a computer now, couldn't I'm you? I'm sure you could. If it has a computer, you can hack it. Then, then, then there's a reason. There to, you go. I should have oh, kept yeah. the TR6. Yeah. So explain to us what you do for bumper to bumper. So the main part of my job is making sure that all of our data, all of our sales, all of our catalog, the catalog that you guys use to look up parts, uh, make sure all that data is in the right spot at the right time. So my place for parts is one of our software packages that we use. Make sure that it's got the right catalog data. Make sure everyone's pricing is in there. All the customer information is in there. Making sure it all moves in the right places. Make sure it's secure, safe, so it's not hacked. Yes. Now, this also goes along with the independent jobbers, too. Yes. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we do both sides of it. Take care of 170 of our our company stores and about, about 180 of the independent stores. And so, Jerry, what's your job at Bumper to Bumper now? <laughs> Same as it was, <laughs> Calling on you. <laughs> now, um, uh, Special Accounts Manager is my official title. And what I do is uh, the Certified Service Center Program, the independent repair shops. Uh, we have a marketing program structured just for them, which provides them with training, marketing benefits. There's there's a whole list of them. In fact, Dave's got a list of them here that I gave him. But uh, training's a big part of it. You know, AC certifications, keeping their text certifications updated. Um, we even get into websites. You know, we offer a custom uh, company out of North Carolina offers cu- custom websites for our auto repair shop certified service centers. Hmm. But and that's everybody's got to have one now. Oh, absolutely. Well, they, if they don't, they better have one. Yeah. They're going to be out of business. Because the millennials yeah. aren't going to go to you no, if they can't find you on their not. phone. No, yeah, that's just it's the thing of the present and future. Well, you know, you can take a phone nowadays, though, and you can you can see anything. I mean, you can look up anything in it. You know, I was trying to find a, a in-frame overhaul kit for a D16 Volvo diesel engine. I only made it one year, September of 08 through September of 09. One year. Couldn't find them, hunted, hunted, hunted. And I finally found a guy, got on my telephone and just started thumbing through and found a guy in Florida. He said, I can get you one, but it's got to come out of Spain. <laughs> out of Spain. Wow. That's wow. where the parts are made at in Spain. I'll be darned. And sure enough, I received it in the FedEx guy. It come in mon- uh, Monday. Instructions seven, in Spanish? Seven weeks to get it. No problem for you, though, right? Uh, I can't speak that stuff. I ain't American. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Seven okay. weeks to get it, though. Spent uh, 13 days in Florida at Customs. Man, we love talking with you guys from bumper to bumper and Duck's Garage, but Unfortunately, as I said earlier, the radio station had enough money to send Dave to the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take some commercial time to raise enough money to bring him back. So uh, we're gonna be back and talk to the bumper to bumper guys and duck after we get this short break in. And you can call us and have your car or truck questions at eight two three zero nine six five five oh one eight two three zero nine six five We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. You've got Carl Kimball, Dave's old buddy from Chanel Insurance, sitting in for him today. Paul Calvert's here. Duck's here from Duck's Garage. And a couple of the men from 
bumper-to-bumper auto parts, and they would be glad to take your car questions. If you would like to ask a question about your car or light truck or even your heavy truck, believe me, Duck could handle your heavy truck question, too, I'm sure. Uh, give us a call. It's 823-0965. And what have you guys got going on that you'd like to discuss this afternoon? So, Anything particular, Doug? Before before we get back into what this gentleman does for, you know, the iTech guy for Bumper Bumper, mm-hmm. I had a customer come in this morning. There's About noon, I was at the shop, and the customer come in and said, hey, I got a 2019 Freightliner. I said, yep. My brake lights won't go off. Have you put batteries in it lately? Just did it two days ago. When did this problem start? Two days ago, matter of fact. Hmm. <laughs> I said, let me explain something to you. When you put batteries in a 2019 Freightliner, you had to hook a battery up to it with a set of jumper cables because it'll lose its memory. He said, what do I do now? I said, go visit Freightliner and let them program it. It's a so, brand new truck. So it messed up his computer because no, he no, replaced no. the battery? It's, it's got a body control module on it. They don't call it a body control. They call it an ESC module. Same thing as body control module. And it's when he unhooked the batteries from it and left it more than two minutes, it loses his memory. The computer reset went yes. back to default mode. So you had to go to Freightliner. They had to pull it back up and look at it, reset it. Then you'll be fine. Man, it is like watching TV. You, know, you can't just push a button and turn your TV on anymore. You can't just turn a key and start your car anymore. Everything's so complicated now. Well, mine, I carry a fob in my pocket. You just punch a button on the dash, and it writes up, you know. But it's, you know, it's the technology coming same way with this technology coming. Mine has a start-stop assist on it. You put up a stop sign, it shut itself off. So let up on the brake, it'll light itself yeah. back up and take off again. Yeah. The car guys had a, a question about that in the paper uh, a couple of weeks back. And someone had written in that their, that her husband was just, you know, absolutely, you know, driven crazy by the thing going on and off. And he thought he that was... It off. I thought that was hurting the car, and the car guy, what's his name there, wrote back uh, from the car talk guy, wrote back to him and said, oh, it's not hurting at all. Modern cars, it's just saving gas. Well, I disagree with that. It's a lot of on and off. A starter is only going to start it so many times. I don't care who made it or or what it is. It's only designed to start so many times. And when you pull up stop sign and and you hold your foot on brake and it dies, when you release it, starter starts turning. Computer tells the starter, okay, roll. Now, in another year or two, the starter won't have nothing to do with starting it. Really? When you pull up stop sign and it shuts off, it'll know where number one cylinder is. It'll shoot fuel in that, fire that cylinder, and start it and take off. So no starter motor anymore? No. Is well, it, starter you, motors are going to become obsolete? No, when you first initially started. Only for that one application. Yeah, just for that application. And, and that's coming. It's already out there. It's already hmm. out and working. They just hadn't released it yet, but... It's kind of like these cars that drive theirself, you know. My truck's got it where if you start getting over too close to the yellow line, it's see to start vibrating, the wheels start doing this, trying to pull it back in the middle of the lane. I remember you t- telling about that on this show uh, a few months ago. Yeah, I keep Actually, mine turned been, off. may have been closer to a year ago because mm-hmm. I've just had the Genesis for about six or seven months, and, and it's got that feature where, you know, you turn you, you turn your turn signal on. If there's somebody in your blind spot, it bites you like yep. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, only the thing is that, you know, I've seen the guy. I know he's past my – I know he's past, but, but the, that thing, it wants me to go – 
several car lengths yep. further than I usually go lengths. past the guy before yeah. it'll let me get over without beeping and vibrating and fighting me a little but bit the, on but it. But there again, you can reach up there and flip switch on the dash and turn it off. Yeah. Because yeah. mine's off. I, I, I'm the world's worst about not kicking a turn signal on when I swap lanes. Oh, shame on you. Well, shame I'm, on I'm you. I'm the world's worst. <laughs> well, at least it keeps that thing from vibrating on yep. you, doesn't it? But, you know, so, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And, it, and all this technology is coming, and that's why you can take a truck with a 5.3 motor in it and get four or 500,000 miles before you have to put a motor in it, providing the cram- camshaft don't go down, which that's a common feature with Dodge, Ford, Chevrolet, it don't matter what it is. They all have camshaft problems nowadays. I had a Dodge in last week, 5.7 Hemi with 103,000 miles on it. Camshaft went down, ate the block up. Mm. What's the weak link? What's causing it to fail? The lifters. What's causing the lifter to fail? You got four lifters in a row. It comes in this little plastic cover, and it's got a lock. It locks each one of them in place so the roller will roll, and that lock will break and let the roller turn sideways. So then you know what happens. Hey, it ate the cam up, and this in here got the block. Hmm. This in here ate the, where the lifter slides in and out of the hole. It, it actually ate the block up. That sounds like a total, at least on the engine. Nine thousand dollars worth. Oh my gosh! Time I, I got through with it. You you probably wouldn't be surprised how many cars I bought for my first nine thousand dollars of car purchases. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I. It, it don't take long now to eat up five, six, seven thousand dollars. I mean, camshaft on that Dodge, I bought all the parts to do it with. Twenty three hundred dollars for just a camshaft and set of lifters and two Ouch. head gaskets and the front cover, an oil pan Ouch. gasket. Now, do you do you suggest to your uh, customers that they buy those? Uh, warranties are always getting stuff in the mail and getting phone calls wanting to buy a car. I I always shut them down. I figure they're all scams. I, the only time I ever had one, it wouldn't pay for the first thing I needed, and I said, the hell with that. I'm not going to well, spend any more money on those. But There is a company you, in, in Mountain Home, out of all places. Mountain Home, Arkansas. Mountain Home. It's, I think it's called Triple Six or Triple G. I've dealt with them people quite a bit. And out of all of them that I've dealt with, they don't never send nobody out to look at it. If I've got it, I'll take a snap of picture and send it to them on my phone. A few minutes, he calls me back. Go ahead and fix it. Hmm. So you've had good luck with Triple G. It cost, I, I can't remember if it's Triple home, G huh? or Triple Six or tri- something Triple something. I can't. I got it wrote down at the shop. No, overall, with the accepting that one exceptional one, what's your experience overall or your customers' experience overall? Do you think been with those things? Do you think that they're that more often to, than not a problem? You got to read the fine print. Uh huh. At the bottom of the page. Yep. If you don't read that fine print, most of the time you're buying a bag of goods, and they'll tell you, "Oh yeah, we'll replace your if your motor goes bad, we'll replace it free of charge. Won't cost you a dime." But as soon as they get you there, then they start prorating that motor. If that motor's got two hundred thousand miles. They're going to pay about $1,000 on a five or $6,000 motor job mm. is all so, they're going to pay. Not as advertised. you got to read the fine print because they're mm. throwing that fine print. We if, if you have engine problem because of this problem, it's not covered. Yeah. And one of them is if you have engine trouble because <clears throat> of camshaft failure, it's not covered. But you were just saying that that was the thing that was likely to fail. 
They know Gee. that. That's why they put that in the fine print. Because how many times I'm feeling good about not buying any of those. How many times now. have you tried? Do you do you read the fine print if they try to sell you one? How many times have you read the fine print? Well, I you tell you what, to my what eyes guy, aren't good enough too much anymore. Well, you're listening to what the guy behind the counter is telling you, and he's telling <coughs> you, oh, yeah, everything's covered bumper to bumper warranty. Oh, yeah. You know, he don't really know, but he's just selling it, so, you know. But there again, read the fine print, because there are some good ones out there. I'll have to say. Well, sounds like some pretty good advice, Duck. And we appreciate you guys being here, and we hope that we have some of Dave's audience call in with some questions for you on uh, 823-0965, 823-0965. You're listening to The Car Guys on The Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM. We're glad to have you with us. Carl Kimball in for Dave. we got another uh, half hour with The Car Guys, and uh, we'll be back right after the bottom of the hour news. Welcome back. Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance sitting in for Dave this afternoon with the car guys. And we have a couple of callers, and we're just going to get right to them so they can ask their question. And thank you for your patience. Rick from Benton, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you. Thanks for calling. What's your question? Yes, uh, yes I have a, a 2011 Ford F-150 with the 5-liter engine. I know with some cars you're supposed to change the timing belt, replace it at certain at certain mileage and stuff. Does this vehicle have a timing belt or timing chain that needs to be changed? What I've got size? 194,000 on it. What size motor you say it was? It's the 5 liter V8. It's got timing chains in it. Uh, I don't recommend changing them until when you start them up in the morning they rattle. When you start hearing okay. them, when you crank them up in the morning, it kind of sounds like lifters rattling for few seconds that's when you need okay. to change them most time they're good for about 250 to 300,000 miles as okay. long as you keep is the oil chains and serviced yeah and i'll do that uh, so is there any other big big things like that that i should proactively replace ahead of time before it goes out that would cause other problems no sir no if, right. if that's the only thing you need to do is when it starts rattling, do not let it jump time because it's been all the valves in the head. Because right. it's got two timing okay. chains. It's got one works left head and one works right head. And you just need to make sure you, you know, when you hear, that's why I tell people, I said, listen, when you crank it up on a cold morning, if you hear, hear a rattling noise, like a lifter noise rattling, it's timing chains that's rattling. Well, Rick, thanks that's for calling. Expensive thing? Yes, sir. That's pretty expensive. Okay. It sounds like it sounds like you got a hundred thousand miles or more of happy motoring ahead of you as long as you take Duck's advice and yeah, if you look, keep her all lubed up and oiled up. You're looking at about fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars plus tax. All right, take good care of that thing. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for calling, Rick. Bye bye. And from North Little Rock, we got Sharon. Thank you for your patience, Sharon. What kind of vehicle have you got? You're very welcome. I have a 2004. S430 series Mercedes, and the battery has, I just let it set because I have another car, so consequently, uh, the battery went dead. Is it going to damage it or any of the modular units to it if I hook it up to a battery charger? No, ma'am. Just put it on battery charger and let, you know, let it charge for a little while. The only thing you may see when you get in it and take off, if it's been sitting down for a while, it uh-huh. may sh- it may shift gears a little bit funny, 
it may not accelerate quite like you want it to until it learns you again. Then once okay. it once it learns everything again within the first mile or two, it'll be back to normal. You won't ever notice no difference. Oh, that's great. And another thing, if I don't want to take it to a Mercedes dealership to fix it because it's outrageous. Yes, ma'am. Where would you ta- where would you take it? So where are you located at? North Little Rock. You can go to Joe's Garage. He works on them. Or you can go out to Ryan out off Chanel. He works on them. Uh, I, close to you, I'd probably just go to Joe or Ryan's either one. Yeah, Pinnacle Automotive well, is yep. who's referring to as Ryan. Yep. Yeah, we take our other cars to Joe, but I just didn't know. I didn't have never even asked Joe if he yes, was from Mercedes. He works on them all the time. I uh, tell this you what, Sharon, my little Chrysler Crossfire's got a Mercedes engine and drivetrain, and I wouldn't let anybody but Joe work on it. Yeah, okay. he, he works good on them all the time. I think you're in well, good shape, Sharon. Anything else? Well, he's, he, he's worked on our other cars and always treated us great. Yes, but I ma'am. appreciate what you guys impart to us knowledge-wise. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thanks for calling, Sharon. That's another good testimonial for Joe and for the work that he does. And, uh, boy, he always brags on you bumper-to-bumper guys. He always He's always telling us what a fantastic setup it is that he can always get the right part at the right time. That's what it's all about. Having, quality parts, people. Quality parts. Having what you need on hand yep. nearby. Yep. Unless you're driving a car that gets too old, like mine's starting to get, where you sometimes have to special order them. Yeah. <laughs> well, cars don't get too old nowadays. Keep on plugging with them. Don't forget to give us a call if you have a question about your car, light truck, heavy truck, diesel, gas powered. Give us a call here on the Dave Ellswick Show at eight two three zero nine six five, and we've got expert. We've even got an expert on the high tech computer end of it that can. <laughs> can help you out here so give us a call so go ahead and explain a little more about you know how you take care of the stores and everything like that sure so (laughs) one of the big things that we do is and and as you just said the right part in the right place the right time and we have to have the right parts down in louisiana versus uh, arkansas and make sure they're local to those stores that have the right that gonna need that repair right then, then and there Nobody likes to wait for their car. Yes. Mechanics don't like to wait for the nope. parts, and the people don't like to wait for the car either. Uh, so we have to make sure we've got the right parts. We do that with a whole bunch of different algorithms that we run. We may we follow up with all of the vehicles in operation. So we get all the information for all the vehicles that are registered in every single county. And we pull all that information in, and X county has this many Ford F-150s. This county has three jaguars well yes we don't hold very many jaguar parts yes. because there's only three vehicles yeah, apparently your algorithm said that you weren't real likely to need a hydraulic cylinder for the convertible <laughs> top on a 2005 chrysler crossfire i guess because i couldn't get that one <laughs> most of the time most of the time we get what we yeah. need right away but there again kind of like in saline county at dickey you know at evans automotive where i buy my stuff from mm-hmm. you know that's the same thing you do in Saline County is, okay, look, we got so many Fords, so many Chevrolets, so many Dodges. Mm-hmm. So that gives you some idea of, tell them again, how to put in there. Exactly. And we also look at all the uh, warranty failures and various yes. repairs that are happening in that county. So, and each county is different. Each yes. area is different. So we look at 
the vehicles that, that you're repairing on a daily basis and all the various shops in the area. And we consolidate all this data and say, okay, this, there's a likelihood that this part's going to fail and that part's not going to fail. The part that's going to fail, we're going to have in stock. Yes, what not, do you know? Another not, call has yeah. poured in. Let's see if uh, Keith from Little Rock has got a question that we can give him a satisfactory answer on. Hi, Keith. Thanks for calling the Dave Ellswick Show. What kind of car do you drive? Uh, questions on a 1999 F-150 extended cab. Yes, sir. Uh, just curious, when it's sitting still, if it rains real hard, uh, I can get home and I'll go to the truck. And on the passenger side, there's water in the passenger side floorboard. Yes, sir. Mm. Have and you had a windshield put in lately? It's at the windshield because there's nothing on the dash. And it's happened before, but I didn't know if there's something like between the firewall and whatever that would allow water to get in. Okay. On the right-hand side, it has a stop that the windshield is supposed to set on to hold it in place. What has happened, the stop has probably broke off, rotted off or whatever, and it's let it slip mm-hmm. down a little bit, and the water is running back up underneath the windshield. Uh, it's got to be took out and resealed and cleaned to repair your problem. Ford oh, has okay. Ford. Okay, that's, I wondered. That's notorious on a Ford. Yeah. All now, right. Well, I sure appreciate let, it. Let me explain something to you. Lot. Let me explain something to you. If that thing starts uh-huh. leaking in the middle, dropping down on the hump, yeah, it, there is a relay there. It's an ECM relay that hangs upside down. I ain't never understood why they did it. They hung it upside down, uh-huh. and water would drip right down into it. And you'll go out there some morning, and the truck will be sitting there running. Wow. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> it'll be yeah, sitting really. there running, and you'll think, now, wait, I got the key in my hand. Who started uh-huh. that? that, that <laughs> it'll short out, and, and I've caught it, Joe's caught it, and we couldn't figure out how it all happened until one day it was raining and the guy had it. We figured yeah. out that the windshield was leaking on it, fixed the windshield, but the windshield's got to come well, out of it. There okay, you go, well, that's Keith. an easier fix than what I thought may yes, have been around the heater core or something. No, you know, it's, so. it's, it could be. I doubt if it's a heater core, because if it's a heater core, you're going to be getting a slimy film on the windshield. Well, there you uh, go. Some more good I advice. Didn't, I didn't smell any yeah. coolant or anything yeah. either. It's no, just, it's, it's, you know, uh, water on it's, the it's a windshield leak, and that's a common problem for them. All right, Keith, we okay. thank you so much for calling well, sure in. I hope that no, helps you out. gets back, y'all keep him out of trouble. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that ain't going to happen. That's a big job. That's a big job. <laughs> thank you. Thanks right. again for Bye. calling, Keith. We appreciate you. And uh, just before we take our next break, we got one more break to get through for the top of the hour. But I want to remind you that if you have a car, truck, any kind of a internal combustion powered vehicle that you have a problem you'd like to question call the car guys here on the dave ellswick show at eight two three zero nine six five and we'll be glad to let you talk to the real experts here all right we're going to pay some bills so we can get dave back well sadly dave's not back yet but we sure hope he is soon carl kimball from chanel insurance sitting in here with the car guys filling in for Dave, and uh, we've just got about another 12 minutes to go. So before we before we get another call in, and we will be glad to take your call at 823-0965, but before we get to the next call, let's talk a little bit about bumper-to-bumper supply chain. Duck, so, you want to kick it off? Or? Go ahead. So as I was saying earlier, the, we make sure that the right part is in the right county, mm-hmm. in the right area. Um, 
we do, can't get everything every time, but we yeah. try to make sure that we've got the right things in the right area. And we do that through the vehicles in operation, what the failure rates are. Also, what the manufacturer is saying, this is going to be a, a higher selling vehicle or a higher selling part than another part that they may sell. So we use a bunch of the, that information. We also run a whole bunch of statistics for not just what we sell, but what the other uh, retailers sell, even O'Reilly's and Zone and Advance. Combine all that information so that we know who in the area is, is repairing what and what's going on with it to make sure that we've got the right parts. Um, it's, a, it's a very complicated process. It's amazing how many algorithms go into just making sure that the right starter is in, in Saline County. In Saline County. It's pretty amazing how that all works, and we refresh that every Saturday, and we go through about 280 million records just to make sure that the right part is in Saline County. Wow. I mean, and somebody's got to be standing there every day looking at this Mm -hmm. because it changes every day. I mean, every day. You know, like around my place, we'll go through truck clutches. We Mm -hmm. may put in five or six, and then all at once it switches over to kingpins. Yep. And you do seven, eight campaign job. Then it'll switch over to radiators. And, uh, you know, it it runs in a cycle like everything else does. And Why would that happen? It's just the way it does. <laughs> just you, just, you just roll the dice, and this week it's radiators. You, ne- you never know from one day to the next what's, what it's going to be. You know, turbos. Turbos right now, uh, this new uh, turbo they got on these trucks, they get dirty. They'll stick. You have to pull them and clean them. That's a common problem with them. Uh, it's kind of like all this DEF filters on the trucks. You know, it's just a common problem. So, well, and more and more vehicles are coming with the turbos now. Uh, not only, <coughs> not only vehicles. No. All your equipment now has the DEF stuff on it. Mm-hmm. All your equipment's controlled by a computer now. So, yep. uh, people don't realize how much problems a DEF filter can cause you by running it with your check engine light on. Mm-hmm. I tell people in them Dodge trucks, hey, if that light's on, you better get it checked because you're fixing to eat up. And if a Dodge DEF filter stops up and the cat's all one piece, you can't clean them. I've tried. I've took them to three different places and tried to get them clean. They'll be clean for about two days, and then they're back over there knocking on the door, hey, check engine light's on. I don't clean them no more. I don't even try to clean them no more. And it's about eight or $9,000 fix it. It used to be in the old days that if you had a turbo, you'd get a whole bunch of extra power, but it'd kind of come on suddenly, and you had a little lag. Now, I understand that the newer ones with the electronics controls they have, you don't have that lag anymore, do you? No, you don't have that lag no more. Do you have have better reliability? You also had problems with, because of the heat, I guess, that that turbos tended to break down more often. Is is that less of a problem than it used to be? Nowadays, it's got got a deal in there. This is... This is sitting idling. Yeah, you're wide open. Mm-hmm. And when you accelerate, it's got a it's got what they call an activation motor on it. It starts shutting it down and making it force the air through a smaller hose. That's how you build the boost pressure up. Well, that slide will stick. It either stick wide open or it stick almost closed, and then it don't understand what to do. Then I bet that could in. be a nasty surprise. You pull it off, clean it. You just have to pull it mm-hmm. off, tear it apart. It takes about what I say, for instance, on a ISX Cummins, it takes you time you pull it, clean it. Lubricate it, put it all back on. Uh, somewhere in the seven, eight, ten hour range. If if any of our uh, listeners have got turbocharged vehicles, what should they especially take into consideration to make sure they don't get that expensive repair any sooner than they can 
necessarily do, put it off. Do not let it sit and run idle. Just just sitting and idling like at a traffic light. No, traffic light don't hurt it. When you pull up to the grocery store, you jump out, leave it sitting there running. It's a wrong thing to do. Yeah, somebody will jump in it and drive now, off with it. Oh no, you can lock the door now. Mine, you can <laughs> lock the door, but but even letting it sit and idle is is a, a danger to wrong the wrong thing of your to turbo. do. It will it will stop the turbo up in a heartbeat. And so if you're going through the fast food lane in your turbocharged little car and you pull up to the pay, turn the thing off while you're now, paying at the window. No, you don't have to. Just, is it just if it's a longer period Yeah, of time? just don't let it sit and run idle for 10 to 12 minutes. Okay. You okay. know, anything anything above five or six minutes, that's when you start. And what it is, it don't get hot enough to burn the carbon out of, out of the it's, – it's just wheel that's inside it. I've, I've got one cut apart, and, I, you know, I could show somebody – but uh, it's in the exhaust side, and it carpens up, and then it sticks, and then, then you got troubles. Now we all know that it's really, really important to make sure that you keep oil in your car, that you have good oil pressure. If your oil pressure goes low, you need to pull off the side of the road and stop right away because you're about to do serious harm well, to your engine. Right? I've I've got a different theory on that. If my wife's driving it and she's in the wrong part of town. Don't pull off. Just keep driving until it quits. I'll fix it when you get home, honey, and when I get you home. Because <laughs> now, I don't want her pulling off in the wrong part of town and something happened to her. You know, now, if you're in a good location where you can get off the road safely and be safe, okay, pull over. You need to pull over. Okay, now how about this? What if you've got one of those little idiot lights that comes on and says you've got high oil pressure? Is that as dangerous <laughs> as the low, or you just can ignore yeah. that? Well, you don't need to ignore it, but it, it but you can go ahead and drive it. Not likely to do serious damage no. to it if it's high for a little while. No, Maybe it comes it comes on the high, and then you back off yeah. the gas a little bit, and then it'll go off. You're yeah. Probably nothing to worry yeah, about. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to be a sensor anyway. Ah, well, good. But, That's good to know. Yeah, but uh, you know, getting back to talking about these stores and stuff, you know, how many stores do you take care of doing this every day? Too three hundred. Are you by yourself? No, no, no. I've got a team of 18 on my crew. And you also talked about the people that are, are looking at all this data on a daily basis and our, our, our product category managers. Uh, we have four category managers, yes. I believe. Yes, I believe that's uh, right. Yeah. And another three or four people that are, are taking care of the individual stores mm-hmm. and individual lines. Um, yeah, there's a, a number of different people that are dealing with all of this in the background. And it's amazing that uh, 18 people can keep up with all of this. I mean, you just like you said a while ago, like 300. 300 stores. All in the yes. algorithms. All in the yep. algorithms and all the data, yes. And no two stores are the same. No two stores are the same. They're you know, all individual. Like, mm-hmm. like up at Hardy, the one up at Ash Flat, Jerry, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim yeah. up there. Mm-hmm. Tim. <laughs> But, you know, his store is going to be totally different than what Dickie's store is down there. Yes, he yeah. deals with a bunch of farmers up there, you know, that's cutting mm-hmm. hay and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Because I, I buy stuff from him, you know, from my tractor and stuff up there on, at, at the cabin. And so he's going to be totally different than you got Dickie or you got somebody out here, out here you know, totally different it's in another town. Same thing in like Dumas or Lake Village yeah. down in that part of the yeah. big, heavy farm country. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, and how, speak, how do you go by what to put in like an – for farm stuff, is it basically the same way, or you just? It's the same way, 
we don't have all the I don't have all the algorithms built for yeah. it because I'm looking for the the, the farmers and yeah. and the local people to give us more information for it. But we do the same thing. We look at all of our sales. Where are we going with the sales? We can't get the vehicle in operation yeah, data. They don't have that. It's just not there. Yeah. Um, but we look at all the all the rest of the data and what the <clears throat> failure rates are and and everything that that we use for the numbers. Uh, but it's the same process. You look at what parts are selling, what's going on, and the local people. We are a local company. We have to talk to the locals and we have to say what is it in your area that you see most common. Yes. And that's the stuff that we make sure that we're stocking. And it's a 100-year-old company. 100 years old. Mm-hmm. 100 year old, you know, and, and that's very un, uncommon in this day and time mm-hmm. for yep. it to be a, you know, to be a family-owned, you know, and and, uh, and I consider my part of the family because they have took well good care of me and Joe. And uh, as you know, Jerry, you know, that we've all been well took care of. If we have a question... Mm-hmm. We call Jerry. <laughs> yep. I, I think I've heard that yeah, on the yeah, show yeah. before. Yeah. Well, that it's just all about the last re- week, didn't it? <laughs> right. It's we, all about the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It and is. We deal yeah. with the local you know, people and the relationships. You know, yeah. it's the same way with Dickie, me and Dickie, you know. Um, he's, you know, if, if I needed something in the middle of the night, I could pick a phone up and call him and mm-hmm. say, hey, Dickie, I need you. Him or Mike or, or Paul, one of them would, would show up down there and get me what I needed. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference when you got people that you can – Consider a family member. Well, we I tell you what, this has been an interesting and lively hour. Thank, we thank you, Carl, you for so taking much care of Dave's for coming place. in. Yeah, I will, we'll be glad when Dave gets back. We'll gather our pennies I, up and see if we can get I, him sent back. I home. have fun doing this, but I don't have any illusions of being able to fill Dave's <laughs> shoes. And we'll be really glad to get him back. And thanks to the bumper to bumper guys, I tell you, you keep small businesses in business. I make my living serving small businesses because that's the niche that I took in my insurance business is my main thrust. And uh, anybody that helps small businesses stay in business, you guys are gold in my book. We're glad you were here. Duck, as always, glad you were here. Thank you. Thank you, will be back next week. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave, and we'll be back for one more hour after the top of the hour news. Thanks for listening. Final hour of this Wednesday, November the 6th. Obviously, Dave's not here, and we miss him, but we hope he's back soon. Dave's old buddy, Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance, and uh, one-time libertarian companion of Dave during his Axe the Food Tax campaign of 
decade and a half ago, but still love to listen to Dave on the radio, and I can hardly wait until I can again. But in the meantime, well, gosh, you're stuck with me for this last hour. And if you'd like to come in and join the conversation, we'd be glad to have you. It's kind of going to be open line 5 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So whatever topic you'd like to discuss, we'll welcome you to call in and join in with us. It's 823-0965. 823-0965 if you want to call the Dave Ellswick Show. And if you don't call, who knows, I may lapse back into talking about medieval history again, and then it'll be all your fault for not calling. So you might want to call us up. Glad to have you with us. It's been a beautiful day in my hometown, Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, a little rainy, but hey, you know, better that than snow and ice, huh? It's a balmy 60 degrees here in our town. Glad I'm not out on the street with you poor folks fighting all those traffic accidents and heavy traffic. Gosh, we used to be a smaller town, and we didn't have that trouble so much. Of course, it's still everything relative. You know, people come and visit me from some big towns back east. They say, gosh, how long is it going to take to get to the airport? Oh, you know, if it's not rush hour, about 18 minutes. You know, not too bad a deal, you know, unless unless it's this time of day. And this time of day, things get kind of ugly sometimes. So hope you're being careful out there. Mind your lane. Use your turn signals. Don't be like Duck. Duck's a good guy. But, man, if he's not using his turn signals, he needs to turn that thing that vibrates him off. Now, see, that's my problem in the Genesis. Now I finally got a car that's modern for the first time in life and that has that special warning. You know, a blindside warning's a pretty good deal. When I'm in the crossfire, if I'm six inches past your front bumper, watch out because I'm going faster than you and I'm already on my way over. But you can't do that without getting all kinds of warning lights and buzzers and sounds and the steering wheel vibrates. So I'm trying to be a better driver, and the Genesis wants me to get three full car lengths past the guy in front of me or behind so, me before I can pull over. So, so, so we were just chatting. I'm training. We were just chatting in there about some of the anonymous cars that are coming up. The, the, anonymous the, the, or autonomous? Autonomous, sorry. Yeah, not, 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 not anonymous yet. Yeah, autonomous, not yet. Autonomous, yeah. And so the, the, the idea that you don't drive, you just... Sit there and read the newspaper sure. like George Jetson sure. did or take a nap in his flying or, car. Or, you know, or can you imagine that how interesting, I'm not sure if it's cool, but how interesting it would be or how convenient it would be if you need to take a trip to California? And so it'd be like it'd be like calling Uber or texting Uber or whatever it is you do on your phone, do the the app thing, and and you just say, hey, yeah, I needed to take a trip from Little Rock, Arkansas to, to San Diego, California, and they give you a price of five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever it is, to go all the way to San Diego, and you hop in a car and. It takes you there. Takes you there, and well, two Paul, days later you get there. You're too young to remember the Jetsons, I imagine. I actually do. But there was that. That was one of the greatest. Was, of course, it, they were playing on the success of the Flintstones. You know, the Flintstones were the modern Stone Age family, and mm. and and they were so popular, and it was such a such a big hit that then they came out with one on the other end, instead of being in the primitive past mm. in the far future. And and old George Jetson, he'd come out and he'd hop into his car and pull the bubble down he'd sit there and read the newspaper and the car drive him. him to work well and, and, and then it would fold up into a suitcase he'd carry inside with oh, his car <laughs> that's interesting i don't remember that part really <laughs> but um i do remember watching that a little bit as uh, when i was little but um so th- what we were talking about with the with the bumper to bumper guys here just a minute ago um so apparently they're already developing trucks 
like semi trucks. Oh yeah, a lot of lot of truck with, drivers going to be out of work uh, without, here in the next ten years. Yeah, or without so. cabs, and so they they can they can. I think I think what they're what they're looking at right now is these trucks. They think they can probably <laughs> pull across country pretty easy without a driver. But I think they're still working on the technology. Yeah, to, and the to, load to be and able, unload and something. Yeah, else to be able too. to get um, get in and out of little spaces in town, I oh, think it's going to be a bigger problem. Yeah. So, I, so it looks like what they may end up doing first is having these driverless trucks deliver between um, big hubs. Yeah, and then they have and, a, a, a a man-driven vehicle to, to take go, it from the hub right, to your door. So right, that, that sort of thing. So it may not... It, so that the driverless truck doesn't drive into your carport wall or something. <laughs> right, right, and yeah, drive through your house instead or, of to your house. Drive, drive uh, over your sports car sitting in the carport. Right, right. and so that... that um, but the thing is, though, that they can... Um, Maybe intentionally avoid traffic with these things if they're going cross country. They can because it doesn't doesn't depend on you or I. If we were we're going to drive a truck, we kind of want to drive during the daytime. It's not we don't necessarily want to drive through the night. We got to sleep sometime, and so yeah, the driverless truck it doesn't matter. He, they can be no, right. out there between midnight and four in the morning, right? And they can they can drive twenty four hours a day, and so you can, yeah. they can. Um, I forty between Memphis and Little Rock will be even more sheer hell than it is well, now. Well, and the other thing, the other thing about these autonomous vehicles is they can tailgate each other <coughs> with, without much risk of causing a major pileup, because if they're all electronically connected, <laughs> then the, the one in the front hits its brakes, and every one of them, hundred hundred cars, hundred trucks down, can hit their brakes essentially at the same time, and they they don't rear end each other. Because it's not like you and I. We have to. We have. It takes. We need a reaction time. Yeah, we have reaction time, and so. If if I'm following behind you and and you slam on your brakes, it might take me a half a second or maybe even a full second to react before Depending I can slam on. Depending on how fast you're going, even a quarter second could be well down the road. It, yeah, and if be. you're tailgating, that's uh, right. all so she at, wrote. At 70 miles an hour, you're moving about 100 feet every second. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, 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 you're moving along pretty quick. And so... If if you're only a hundred feet behind someone, that's why you shouldn't send texts while you're driving, boys and girls. Right. And, and tailgating is is a big issue. Tailgating, I think, is probably one of the one of the major causes of accidents here in this country. Is it? And and you look at it, you probably know this, but one of the the most common accidents <clears throat> is is rear ending. I think it, I think it may be the most common accident. I, I would suspect that you're probably right. And um and so that's one of those things that. I know I've been rear-ended many times in the last forty years here in Little Rock. Really, I've I've rear-ended somebody one time, and it wasn't because because I was following too close. It was because it was one of those kind of weird false start situations. I yeah. was at a I was at a light, and um, light turned green, and I was chatting with my sister about something, and I looked away, and someone had I don't know if they they popped the clutch and killed the car or what what whatever it was, but. They started oh. going and it stopped. I looked. I had looked away. I looked up again, and all oh, it was, it was car, traffic had stopped again, and um, and so I, I um, I, I did the best I could essentially, yeah. and, I, and I didn't actually rear rear in the car straight on. I kind of, I, I got to the side of it a little bit and just kind of brushed corners, did a little bit of damage. Not that big a deal, but um. But that so I, I've actually rear-ended somebody before. Well, I, I got to confess, me too. I've I've been back in my hometown here for thirty nine, little over thirty nine years, and in that thirty nine years, I confess that I have rear-ended somebody else twice. 
The last time was over 25 years ago, almost wow. 26 years ago. So I've shaped up. But I've been rear-ended at least a half a dozen times. Once, I think it was 1983, I got rear-ended three times in one year. Oh, wow. And and it was all, you know, it was all something. Somebody in front of me slams on the brakes. I slam on my brakes. Guy behind me eventually slams on his brakes, but not quite as <laughs> right. quick. Not, not quite soon enough, right? Yeah, that's that's usually how it right. happens. Right. A lot of times, those are probably not real serious. They don't they don't hit you too hard, but hey, they can hurt you. If you know, it, you can get whiplash. Mm-hmm. You can get your car totaled. I've had yes, I've, I've had cars totaled from yeah, that. Yeah, a few years ago, my my brother was driving a, a small um, small dump truck. It, it belonged to him. It was a, well. You probably didn't have to worry too much about whiplash. Believe he? it or not, he got hit by a loaded large dump truck, a full a regular dump truck. So his was empty at the time. It's a, it was like a. A little bigger than a one-ton truck is kind yeah. of what it was. It was a little Azuzu, but he was he was pulling into a to a farm up in kind of northern central Arkansas, kind of, and um, and a big old county dump truck hit him. Just plowed into him. Plowed huh? into him and and turned his truck over. Oh gosh! Yeah, it hurt him. Not not real yeah, bad. Not, it hurt it, him bad enough he's to knock some, him over. He's had some neck problems from it, back issues and such, but. But I mean, he was in good shape to begin with, and so he was he, he was able to climb out and and whatnot. But he got hit hard by being rear-ended by a, a loaded dump truck, and um, so it's not it's not it's not funny business to tailgate people. No, it's, it's not. It's and it's it's especially egregious if you're driving a larger vehicle. You know, yeah. When I'm on the highway, I usually drive a larger vehicle. I have like, a lot of times I'll, I'm driving a three-quarter ton diesel pickup truck. Which, okay. you know, if a little Honda Accord is tailgating me, I don't really care very much. It, no, I just hit your brakes and he's toast. Well, I, I, well, the thing is, if I hit my brakes and he hits me, more than likely he's going to, he might just hit my, my trailer hitch on the back of my truck. Oh, and, he's going to have a lot of and, damage. And, and, and do a couple thousand dollars worth of damage to his to his hood and, and grill. Mm-hmm. And and scratch your trailer hitch. And may, maybe <laughs> scratch my trailer hitch. And... um. So I don't, I don't. That doesn't bother me so much if, if a small car is tailgating a large, larger vehicle. But but what I think oh, is, oh man, the other way around. The other way scary. around. I'm sorry, that is terroristic threatening. Yeah. If you, if you're driving, like for instance, my my truck probably weighs six or seven thousand pounds, maybe eight. I'm not sure. It's four wheel drive. So it's so a three quarter ton. Three quarter ton diesel. Yeah, it's probably about eight thousand. Probably gross vehicle probably weight. six six to eight thousand pounds. Yeah. You know, if I'm tailgating that little Honda Accord that weighs about two thousand pounds, mm. now what if I hit them and I, and I I weigh maybe his head's almost laying in the back seat because I hit him so hard from a whiplash. That's serious business because if I'm if I'm really following close and I and I and I hit him because I'm because I'm I'm following so close. I can hurt him, and and so I think I have a, a greater responsibility to not tailgate when you're in a bigger vehicle. When I'm in a bigger vehicle, yeah. and I and I to me that's a that's one of those things that we need to be careful about. It's 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 a courtesy thing, but it's also an issue of of safety. It's it's kind of like pointing a gun at somebody. Well, talking about courtesy and safety, and we're pointing a gun at someone. I tell you, my personal pet peeve is the suicide lane. Mm. You know, you get these five-lane roads right. <laughs> where it's two lanes each direction and then an optional lane in the middle right, for, for left turning. turners. Right. But but you get an awful lot of people want to pop it. into that left turn lane about a block before they get to mm-hmm. where they're going to turn, and they're going to drive right past someplace on their right that you may be trying to turn into. Mm-hmm. And when I'm going to my office in the morning, 
I get I have to go past one traffic light, just barely past one traffic light, and then I'm the next oh. driveway on the left with oh. no traffic light, and I got to get in that suicide lane, and I sit there with one hand on the steering wheel and one hand on the horn oh. <laughs> because people come around right. that curve and they'll pop right out of that center lane coming straight at me, and what can I do? I'm sitting there. Yep. I'm sitting there stopped yeah. with traffic passing and, me on both sides, and here comes somebody at me head on. All yeah. I can do is blow my horn and, uh, and, and cuss a blue streak. And, and then you've got the issue of, of people using that as a merge lane. Yeah. Which, yeah, that you see that too. Right. And, and, you know, you're not really supposed to do it. No, you're not. But a lot of times it probably won't hurt anything. Well, if you're talking about a car length or two to get up to speed, but if you're going to drive down that for a half a block while or, you're getting up to speed, or a quarter because, mile or whatever yeah. it is, and that's 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 a common. And I've seen them do it. That's a common thing, and it's probably more dangerous in town than it is out in the county. Oh, absolutely. But um, one of the things, like like out where I live, use your turn signals, Doc. <laughs> like out where I live, um, I have to get on Highway 65. And it's full speed traffic at that point. It's it's full fifty five miles per hour or so, and, and sometimes traffic's going even faster. And so people will use the use the merge lane or the the turn lane as a merge lane, sort of like getting on yeah. the interstate. And and out there, it's, you're not as likely to cause a problem with that because there's not a whole lot of traffic coming mm-hmm. in on and off the the um, the major five lane um, highway there. But in in town, I think especially that's it's more um, important to be careful about that because you know if you're using it as a merge lane, you're liable to cause an accident. Yeah, you got to use those suicide lanes so carefully, mm-hmm. and you got to look up ahead and see if there's somebody coming at you, right? And and some or somebody that stopped that's helpless, stopped sitting there waiting right. to turn, right? And that's a, that's another thing is that you know sometimes people don't act normal. Sometimes no. people will do something unexpected. Oh, the problem is sometimes they do act normal. Well, yeah, yes, but sometimes they'll do something that's unexpected, yeah. like their car might die. You know, some of us still drive standard transmission vehicles. Guilty. Some, and sometimes, I, I, my pickup truck is actually a, a, has a standard transmission. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while I get a little bit out of sorts and I kill that thing. Yeah, uh, when I first got the Crossfire, cause it's a six-speed standard. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little bit of tricky clutch. You got a lot of power, but it's mm-hmm. a little tricky clutch. And once you get used to it, you right. know, I, I, I'd very seldom do it now. But but if you're not used to driving the car, right. it's so easy to kill it. And ever once in a great one, not very often, but once yeah. a month, yeah. once a month or so, I'll still do it because yeah. it's kind of easy to do. Yeah. And then you got to then you got to turn it off and turn it back on and get it fired up and oh, don't hit me while I'm sitting here right. helpless. Right. Get going fast as I can. Yeah, that is one of those things where you. It, you, you kill that thing right in the middle as you're as you're trying to turn out into traffic, yeah. And you get stuck right there, and so it's it's one of those things that, you know, even though an accident might not be your fault, it's still a good idea to watch out for it. Oh, so it doesn't no happen. Kidding. And no kidding. and and just watch ahead. And it's, well, that's the the biggest thing to avoid an accident is a like you said, look ahead. You know, keep your eye on what's ahead, mm-hmm. uh, and don't talk on the telephone. And use your turn signals. Okay, we got to take a break, make some money so we can make Dave happy when he comes back. So we're going to be back for our next segment in just a few moments. Hello, all you guys out there in traffic trying to listen to the Dave Ellswick Show. Sorry you don't have Dave. It's Dave's old buddy Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance sitting here with our 
wonderful Normal Tuesday panelist, Paul Calvert, to keep the conversation going. And we've been talking about a various number of things today. We've migrated from the absurd to the obscene, or maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> but, uh, from, from, from the ghastly to the trivial, but uh, there's nothing trivial about trying to drive safe. No, 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 and no. Those no. guys. Lots of people die every year in, in, in America from, from car accidents. And if we can, if we can help people improve some of their driving habits that might save some lives number one driving habit to improve leave your damn phone off Mm. leave it in your pocket turn off the ringer put it in the console don't look at your phone while you're driving down the road please people i i I have to drive around town a lot i get Mm -hmm. driven off the road on an almost daily basis mostly by women in large uh, vans or trucks put that are the makeup. That, well, they're usually they're usually got a steering wheel in one hand and their phone in the other, and 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 uh, they you know and like you were saying, if you're driving down the road sixty miles an hour, you look down at your your phone for three seconds to look at that text or mm-hmm. to enter the response to that text. Just three <clears> seconds. That's <throat> all that t- it takes. You've gone a football field. Pretty close. You've gone close to a football field in just in just three seconds. So mm-hmm. you know, please, people. Your phone will still be there when you get to your destination. Well, and, and I think if you got a call that you can't wait to answer, find a safe place to pull off the side of the road so you can give them your undivided attention well, before spe- you pull back. Especially when the traffic is busy. Oh, man. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to take a phone call when you're out on the open road and there's not a lot of cars around you. But when you're in busy traffic and you're, yeah, you're having city a, streets. It's, it's a hard – you have a hard enough time not Rush bumping, hour, no less. You know, not bumping into each other. And you get on your cell phone, you're texting people, and you're and you're um, checking out the latest um, um, uh, checking the scores, scores or whatever it might be. And, um, ask asking your asking your favorite other what they want for dinner. Right. Ask right. them later. Right. And so when you're in busy traffic, not not to mention you might you might hurt yourself or hurt somebody else or you might All right now. might also cause us to um have to wait for wait for you because you caused a major traffic jam. Well, we're not going to berate you anymore about your dadgum cell phones <laughs> in the last half hour of the Dave Ellswick show, but please after six o'clock when I leave the studio and try to drive <laughs> home, for God's sake, put your cell phone away. All right, you're listening to the Dave Ellswick show, Paul Calvert and Carl Kimball holding down the fort for Dave. Gosh, we don't know yet when Dave's going to be back, but we hope it's going to be soon. And in the meantime, we're sending out our thoughts and prayers to him for a quick return. And we'll see you right after the bottom of the hour news on 101.1. The answer. Thanks a lot for tuning in to hear Dave. Sorry that he's not here. We hope he's back soon. He's off doing important business. But in the meantime, you've got Paul Calvert and Carl Kimball holding the fort for Dave. Half hour left to go, and uh, we were just discussing there. there's more news in the world than impeachment and uh, car crashes. And mm-hmm. So really, we had something come up during the break uh, regarding Brexit. And of course, you know, yeah. there's a, a sort of an analogy there because in the United States, we got this deep state. we got all these heavily entrenched bureaucrats that are fighting like crazy to undo or foil everything that Trump tries to do because it's a threat to their to their deep state control, their their positions of power and importance. How dare the president right. make foreign well, policy? And, and kind of, I'm in the State Department. I should make foreign policy. Right, and, and as opposed to the like like what you're mentioning with the um, the Brexit case, uh, people have written 
they want to they want to exit. They want to yeah, exit well, the at least, European. At least the majority of them that voted didn't. That's been that's been over three years since and, their vote. Right, and they so, voted three years ago to get out, and they still hadn't got out. It's that tangled uh, web. Wow. And so, but, so, so from what you're saying, apparently the some of the bureaucrats over there. Or their version of bureaucrats, yeah, their elites or whatever, or maybe dragging their feet because they maybe oh, think that the little the, people are just – they don't really know what they need. The great majority uh, of the top leaders in both parties, both major parties in Britain were opposed. Now, there were a lot of Tories that were in favor of, of Brexit. Right. But the leadership of the Tory party, mm. one leader that held the election and resigned because he lost mm. and they voted to Brexit – and then the one that succeeded him was also against Brexit, wow. and she tried to get it through in such a basis that it was obviously not going to be favorable to Britain, and she mm. couldn't get anything done. Now she's gone. They got wow. Boris Johnson, and he's trying well, to go uh, out, uh, and they're still making it hard for him. And, and fundamentally, in Britain, the English people are known as subjects. They don't. <coughs> they don't yeah, even, they have a they have a sovereign, right? And so they don't even pretend so to speak, that they're actually free people. They actually yeah, recognize we're not themselves. Subjects, we're citizens. We're supposed to be. We're, we're probably just about as much subjects as they well, are you know, in reality. If, but but the but on paper... Elizabeth Warren certainly wants to dominate right, us and, as much and, as any and, queen and, ever did. Right. And the reality is the government treats us like subjects and like 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 we're tenants instead of and instead of actually um free men. We're the the government treats us like we're subjects. But but the reality is, um, so over in England, they call themselves subjects. It's not. Mm-hmm. A, it's not a secret. They yeah, don't, they they're don't subjects make, of the queen. They don't make bones about it. They, mm-hmm. they just call themselves subjects. And so, uh, f- for their leaders to come along and and treat them like like subjects, subjects, then maybe we shouldn't be too surprised by that. Yeah. Now, you asked, I thought, an interesting question during the break that caused me to decide that, well, we ought to talk about right, that. Ask right. that question so, again. So in Brexit, they're trying to exit the European Union. So the European Union is kind of a a United States of Europe, if That's you will. their vision for it. It's they, not really that. Right. It's, but it's sort their of a, vision over the past 70 years uh, among the among the elites in France and Germany in particular, the elites' idea and their objective for the past 70 years has been to become the United States of Europe. But they're not there yet. There right. And, and, and the thing is, though, that probably where they are right now, the the um, <clears throat> autonomy of the, the states within the European Union is probably closer to what our founding fathers envisioned for the United States. So, so they have a lot of autonomy without... Maybe a whole but, lot but, of, but actually, Paul, they don't have as much autonomy probably. as it's designed. Because the thing is that in the European Union, they have bureaucrats in Brussels. That's the capital of the European Union's Brussels, okay. Belgium, and they have unelected bureaucrats there that come up with prescriptions for every part of Europe, mm-hmm. and and that's the reason that there was so much agitation. To come up with Brexit was because so many Britons and and you know they may be subjects of their queen, but they're subjects of their queen, and they have not been subjugated 
by somebody from outside right. since 1066 when William the Bastard mm-hmm. came across the English Channel and won himself a more fitting sobriquet, or at least a more attractive sobriquet. Mm-hmm. And William the Bastard became William the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Nobody's conquered the British Isles since 1066. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're working on so pretty close to a thousand years of not being militarily subjected. But when they joined the European Union, they became bureaucratically subjected. And that's kind of what's happened. And, and a lot of them don't like it. Right. And so that's kind of what's happened here in America is that the states are no longer independent. They're no longer the master of the of the U.S. government. They're, they're actually subjects of the U.S. government. And that's, that's become and, a serious problem. And so the question is, is Brexit different than one of the states here in America trying to secede, if you will. Like if California okay. was to want to leave the the Union, is that Ooh, different? That's freighted with all kinds of uh, imaginary yeah, Is that, uh, is that different but, than, than Britain yes. wanting to leave the European Union? Yeah, that, I, th- I thought that was an excellent question. Is a state like Britain, who's a part of the European Union, trying to leave the European Union, is that like or different from a state of the United States wanting to leave the United States? And I answered you, yes, that it was different because, A, there is a provision in the European Union's uh, uh, charter. And they have, there is a provision where you can withdraw. Now, no one has tried to withdraw yet. For the most part, they've wanted to get in because if they get as – and one thing that's helped the United States economically is we got this continent-sized country that's got one language and one currency mm-hmm. and no customs duties between uh, in states. between states. And that's one thing that's made our economy so vibrant compared to many of the smaller states. Although we've, we've kind of gotten a little bit of custom duties with this internet – with this – National sales tax stuff, where, oh. where we charge sales tax between yeah, for, that's, in, for out for out of yeah, state that's purchases. Sort of, so that, that's sort of a customs. Yeah, it sort of is. But but so on one hand, you have under the European Union, there's not one nation. Now they're trying to make it that way. The leaders would like for it to be, but it's not one nation. It's a federation of independent nations. Now, their independence is severely curtailed by their membership and, and some of the bureaucratic ways in which that impinged upon the rights and the freedoms. And, and uh, unlike a lot of countries, Englishmen are used to having a lot of rights and freedoms. They don't have what we do. But on the other hand, a lot of what we've got comes from traditions that they imparted to us, even if they don't always have them as kind strong. Our, as our they, tradition of jury yeah, trials, I think. Yeah, is, yeah our, is, our, we have a stronger we have a stronger English common law probably here now than they have in England, in large part because of the imposition of all these bureaucratic uh, uh, regulations from the unelected bureaucracy. And so that's why a lot of the Brits wanted out. I mean, it told them what size and shape their potatoes they could grow. As <laughs> if your potato grows a funny shape, you're not allowed to sell it because it doesn't meet European Union specifications. So, but that's, but that's an, an economic matter. As far as politically... They don't really have political integration. They don't even have a, a, a very thorough economic integration. Because of course, the British always stayed out of the euro and kept their own currency. They, the they, pound. they still have the British pound. Yeah, they, they've never given up the pound. Uh, it would be difficult for countries that have given up their own currency and gone with the euro. But it'd be harder economically for them to pull out for Britain because they have, A, the tradition of independence, and B, their own currency, currency still. It's more feasible for them than it would be for most. But under the United States Constitution, there's no provision 
for seceding from the Union. Now, the southern states during the Civil War period thought that they could secede. That was determined on the field of battle, right, you that might was a, say. By, by right of conquest, if well, you will. Uh, you know, and before the Civil War, the proper terminology and the correct usage of the English language would be to say, the United States are doing this. Are, right. Uh, because it was it was plural, because right. the United States are, are this, that, or the other. Right, it was Now, the, we don't say that anymore. We say the United States is, is the leading power in the world. The United States right, is a democracy. Right, we don't say the United <laughs> States are a democracy. We say the United States is a republic. Right, as if the, the United States because, has become its own entity. It's, uh, it's, well, it, it and since the Civil War... That has been accepted that there was – and there's no provision for pulling out. The The Congress can create states, but the Congress doesn't have the right to abolish states. Now, in England, uh, you know, they're divided into shires, which are like the equivalent of counties, and every shire exists at the suffrage of parliament. Parliament creates the shires. Parliament could do away with a shire. Uh, just the same as one of our state governments could theoretically, we could abolish a county. We could say, well, we don't need Pulaski County and Saline County, though. We'll just make them one county. Them one they could county. do they could do that. But the Congress has no power to abolish a state. We're still that much federalism. So and so you, you, it's been decided. Now, I'll give you just a real quick little story, if you indulge me, mm-hmm. that uh, I thought, because some of this is terminology, uh, my wife and I, we mentioned Dubrovnik earlier. That okay. was the uh, under the name of the Republic of Ragusa. It was the second longest lasting republic in the history of the world. It was an independent republic for 800 years. Oh, wow. Uh, and, of course, now it's part of, the, of uh, Croatia. Uh, Croatia had been part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and at the end of World War One, it was combined with other Slavic regions that had been either independent, like Montenegro or Serbia, or part mm-hmm. of the... Habsburg Empire primarily, and they made it into the country of Yugoslavia. Then when Yugoslavia exploded in the early 1990s and all the different states in Yugoslavia became independent. Now, when we were in Dubrovnik uh, in, uh, let's see, when was it? It was, it was in, in, I think it was in 2005. So it was about 10 years, 11 years after the Civil War. During the, and I called it a Civil War, because, you know, and many people have, because the different states that had formed part of Yugoslavia were fighting with each other, not so much over territories, over ethnic cleansing. Because, you know, there were lots of Serbs that lived in Croatia, mm-hmm. lots of Croatians that lived in Serbia, and, and other ethnic, you know, they, extensions they across the like very well, huh? But, but they, they warred against each other and, until the independence of all of them was recognized. Serbia had been sort of the the heart and soul of, of Yugoslavia, and they didn't want to let them go, but they eventually, they, they all came apart, and Serbia is just Serbia now, and they don't get to lord it over any of the other little tiny Slavic countries that surround them down there. But when we were in Dubrovnik, uh, it, the place was clean as a whistle, spotless. Uh, you could eat off the streets, they looked so clean. This is a medieval town with stone walls wow. and and stone uh, paved streets. It was very different from Venice. Venice had been musty and kind of smelly and algae covered and mm. looked like it was falling apart. You know, the buildings were kind of crumbling there. But then you get to Dubrovnik, 
And it was spick and span. And I made the comment, unfortunately, perhaps where our tour guide was able to hear us. I made the comment to my wife, I can't believe that this city was under siege during their civil war hardly over 10 years ago because you can't see any damage. Everything's cleaned up. Everything's beautiful. And the tour guide heard me. It's just about 22, 23-year-old Croatian college student who's mm-hmm. doing this as her summer intern job. And, right. and she says, everybody stop the tour. Gather around. Gather around. Gather around. says, I want you all to know that there was no civil war, that there was no civil war. Croatia had voluntarily been a part of the Yugoslav Union. And we, the Croatians of all ethnicities, decided that we no longer wish to be a part of the Yugoslav Union, mm. so we voluntarily left that which we yep. voluntarily joined. There was no civil war. And that's a, to which my comment was, tell it to Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that what we did? We voluntarily joined a union. And voluntarily We left. decided to voluntarily leave it. And, and, the, and Abe Lincoln sent down an army to kick our butts across the state and uh, kill anybody uh, who didn't like it and say, no, you're not leaving. And, that, and that's, that's, a diff- that's an interesting philosophy because the idea is – the the idea of rebellion, which is kind of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. is in order to rebel against something or someone, they have to have authority over you. They have to have legitimate authority. And so if if my neighbor comes over and grabs me by the collar and tells me, you you got to slop my pigs and wash my truck, and, <laughs> and you know if, if I tell him, no, that's not rebellion. Okay, hold that thought. One thing I don't have control over is the clock, and we still need to have one last batch of commercials to try and raise enough money to bring our old buddy Dave back. So we'll be back for the last 10 minutes or so here just shortly after these very important messages. Well, Dave, wherever you are, I hope you're being stimulated, buddy. <laughs> and uh, wish you could wish you could live long enough to hear this show out to the end and come back and say, "Gosh, dang, Carl screwed it up so bad." <laughs> now it's a, I got to come back and take over the helm again. I don't know. Dave uh, will be back soon. He he won't be very long, but I don't know if we'll be back tomorrow. I won't be back tomorrow. I can't be back tomorrow, but uh, somebody will be here tomorrow. I think I'm going to the best of show tomorrow. Uh, that might be the case. Do we have plans for that? It's best of tomorrow. Best of Dave Ellswick I, from 2 to I, 6 I tomorrow. Think, I, think, I think we've got a, a, a special guest in who's pretty common to the show for Friday, right? We have Robert Steinbuck. Oh, yes, he'll be guest host. Yes, All right. All right. So we know, we know that Dave won't be back before Monday at the early. We hope we'll be back Monday. But tomorrow will be the best of Dave Ellswick reruns. And then Friday, my favorite guest host for Dave, Robert Steinbach. Man, he is a fun guy. He's very intelligent. He's very funny. And, Lots of energy, and and, and, and he's and he's the best to have for a guest when you're sitting in this chair because all you got to do is say, "Well, Bob, what do you think about that?" and sit back and wait for the next commercial break. Because man, he will he will charge on full speed ahead right up to that, that point. That's so true. Yeah, but he's he, he's great. He's great. I'll look forward to listening to Robert Steinbach on Friday, and I'll hope to hear Dave back on the air next week. It'll all be it'll all be good. Dave will have solved the nation's problems and set the president up for reelection stymied the advance of socialism (laughs) and be back on the radio probably by sometime next week with any luck. So anyway, what were we talking about before we split for that last commercial break? We only got about five minutes left, Paul. You got something? Uh, Bring it on. So the the idea, so we were talking about um, the idea of of a civil war versus 
basically someone leaving a consensual relationship, if you will. And so yeah. the, the idea, I think, was it Croatia that was it was suggesting? Cro- yeah, the Cro- the little Croatian girl. She said to me, "There said there was no civil war. We yeah. left voluntarily, yeah, so, and, and that was the difference. They won, they won. And their so, freedom, so, so it wasn't so a this, civil war. This concept, I the, the concept is that so if you're a subject, then that government or entity or person who is subjected, who you are a subject to, if you try to leave, they look at it as rebellion and because they believe they have authority over you. On the other hand, if the relationship is consensual and voluntary and you decide to leave, it's not rebellion. It's just simply changing who you associate with. And so I've got to admit that sometimes I think allowing California to dissolve our association and go their own way might be better because, gee, Democrats might never get another president elected I, I, if they didn't I, have I, all those guaranteed votes coming out of Florida, and I'm, and I'm out good, of uh, I'm California. Good with that. I think we should la- allow California to secede from the union. Maybe go ahead and let New York and um, and Massachusetts and maybe a few others. Go ahead and leave. I mean, I, I, if, I, if their I bet ideology, some of them be begging to come back before ten years was up. Uh, maybe so, but it, when their ideology is so far removed from the U.S. Constitution, no, you know, unfortunately, they need. I think they need to be forced out. Well, uh, what California is doing? I mean, California, uh, their government from the governor down. Their government is in open defiance. I, I mean, I don't think that well, South Carolina was much more in rebellion against the government under Abe Lincoln than Gavin Newsom is against Trump. When he's saying, come on in, illegals. Well, we're welcome well, to us. So come and, on up. And just the, the way that they, they violate the Constitution just with their own people. I mean, and, and can, can, you, can you imagine, you know, we're supposed to have the right to keep and bear arms. and. You drive to California or maybe New York State or maybe drive through the city of New York. and Don't you, let them know you got a concealed piece with you. And that's the thing is that you have to be in fear for, for your safety and your liberty if you get caught exercising one of your constitutional rights. That's true. I mean, that's insane. Those states should not only be allowed to leave, they should be forced out if they're not going to start well, respecting at least at least i think it's reasonable rights. to say that we ought to force them to accept the constitutional right. rights of all america right and i, and I think if you're going to be an american right. you got to accept americans yeah, constitutional if, if, rights if, if somebody from arkansas is is driving through peaceably and and visiting another state in the union and and they're exercising one of the constitutional rights and that state government comes along with their hired um so-called law enforcement officers mm-hmm. and lock you up into a in a cage because you're exercising your right to keep and bear arms peacefully. Yeah, I think that Illinois, New Jersey, and New York are about the worst as far and, and as not so recognizing your second why amendment. Why aren't rights. these government officials being arrested and thrown into federal prison when they're violating people's rights? Because this way? they're Democrats and they have lots of friends in high places or, or low places. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, depending on how you want to <laughs> yeah, cut but, that slack. Yeah. And so, the, so, yes, and so that's the – let them secede. It, it, and for crying out loud, make them secede. <laughs> Look, well, I, and I, I'm okay with making this a peaceful um, – uh, uh, making peace, peaceful solutions to some of these differences. If people want to live in California where they disarm everybody and, the, and they have the government be their nanny state, you know, I'm kind of okay with that. I think they're stupid for wanting that. But I think it's maybe okay. Let them live that way. But don't don't claim that they're that they're living under the U.S. Constitution as as a guarantee for 
I feel sorry for people like my favorite living historian, Victor Davis Hanson, who inherited a farm in Fresno area, and his family's been in California for generations and generations, Mm -hmm. and and yet he's a stranger in his own land. Well, we're coming up to the end here, Paul. I appreciate so much. You're coming all the way in from Conway to be with me today. Keep me company and keep the conversation rolling when I stutter and fall to the wayside. You've always been a good friend and a great guest on the Dave Ellswick Show. I appreciate your being with us. Uh, This is Carl Kimball. I took a couple of afternoons off from my usual duties as an independent insurance agent at Chenal Insurance to help out my old buddy Dave. I was glad to do it. But I'll be even more glad when he gets back. The Dave Ellswick Show's great, but it's never greater than when Dave's here himself. So come on back to us when you can, Dave. We love you. We're thinking of you. And we can hardly wait for you to be back. And thanks to Zach, our producer. You've been listening to The Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 The Answer. Thanks a lot for listening. It was great being with you this week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.